0: So I want to know who pulled on the shade. I know. Literally within about the past 10 minutes, it got dark. <laughs> Don't
1: tell the people in the building across the way. I need a little time to get accustomed to what I might view across the way. If you weren't here last week, I got a little education after midnight.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: That was me blushing on the radio.
0: And for those of you who wonder what the heck we're talking about, we are on the 18th floor. Of a building on the south side of the river in downtown Chicago, just east of Michigan Avenue, and uh, there are a number of high rises in this area, mm-hmm. and um, one of them has windows that look right out on us. So we know they can see us because we've got our yeah. the blinds are up and this it's a studio, but you know that you're going to see a studio. <laughs> But when we look, look over, over there, there, sometimes we see a little more than... Um, <laughs> well, just- Ron, Ron, does the same thing happen in the newsroom? What kind of a view do you have from the newsroom?
2: It doesn't. We look over the river mostly. So, oh, uh, We just see people who are... You know, if we look down, we can see people on the, uh, on the river, on the boats. and mm-hmm. We wave, but I don't think that they can see us.
1: <laughs> well, let me tell you. The folks that I was watching last week, they could see me. Because they were communicating with me via flashlight, which was very weird. You you were gone by that time, Ron.
2: Yeah, that that, that Um, would be strange. It was. But it was a little flashlight, right?
1: (laughs) Steve, stop it! (laughs)
2: <laughs> so you got flashed. I don't know, did you? Yeah. <laughs> Many times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: getting warm in here. Is it just me? <laughs> but it's, it's just you. <laughs> well, thank you. Hey, Ron. Yes? I bet you're over the moon. It's a smooth weekend because the Cubs have done it again.
2: I, You know, it's just great. And, you know, you can say that they've had a an up-and-down season, but they're three games out of uh, first place. First place, yes. Yeah. And they're playing well. I like this team a lot. I've been fending off off uh, you know, people who've been saying, hey, what's wrong with your Cubs? Was, yeah. Don't worry. It's early. This is a good team. I like Nico Horner. I like Dansby Swanson. I like Seah Suzuki. I like Young Gomes. Uh, I like this new kid they've got in the outfield, Talkman. Mm-hmm. I like Ian Hamp. I mean, I like their pitching staff.
1: And I like Rossi. And there had been some talk yeah. just a month ago. Oh, he's got to go. We're we, t- we've ah. been
2: Rossi fans yeah. from day one. Yeah, people grumble. They like to grumble. It's, it's sure. what they do. and you know, <laughs> it's It's part of the process. So. Well,
1: now, are you superstitious? I'm not, no. Oh, because I was going to suggest, the picture you put up, setting the stage for a smooth weekend, was mm-hmm. just a, a lovely picture. You had a Cubs bottle of Maker's Mark. Yes. And a Cubs glass that matched, which was really lovely. Yeah. And a cigar. I'll let you pass on that. Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs>
2: it was a nice cigar too but
1: where the heck did you get the maker's mark the cubs maker's mark
2: uh that's at uh, our local uh it's a special it's a special limited edition bottle i mean it's still the maker's mark but i saw it and i went okay yeah (laughs) you know it was not a hard sell and uh, i thought it'd be a nice way to celebrate a nice cubs win you know relax out on the deck
1: so you know you have to do that every day they're home now
2: well, as long as they keep winning, I, I intend to.
1: Well, no, you're the reason they win. Yeah. See, oh. i superstitious. You oh. have to do that so they do keep winning.
2: Oh, I see. Yeah, well, you know, whatever I can do to help the team, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a selfless act on uh, your part. Yeah, it's a twist my it's...
1: arm while you're pouring that Maker's Mark.
2: But I'm also thinking at some point we need to
0: uh, share with you a copy of one of the books from one of our guests tonight. Uh, I have a uh, copy of it in my hand. The book is called Noir Bar. Are you familiar with Noir Alley on TCM Turner Classic
2: Movies? I haven't watched it, but uh, it's, it's one of my favorite genres.
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, Saturday we, night.
2: we've got the, uh, the man behind Noir Alley.
1: Eddie Muller is going to join tonight.
2: us. Oh, maybe he can you know, give me a tips on a couple of good movies maybe that I haven't well, seen. Well,
1: the book gives you 50 movies and the drink that goes with the movie.
2: It's cocktails inspired
0: by the world oh, it's, of it's, film it's, noir. It's, and,
1: Ron, it's a beautiful book on top of that. You don't have to drink. If you want to just know some of the background story on just little um, uh, capsule and fabulous pictures from the movies. Yeah. And Eddie's just, I, I'm i going to geek out because I adore the man. I think he's just, he's the best on television, and he's got these beautiful books.
0: Well, full disclosure, while we're here, we are DVRing <laughs> <Yes>. Noir Alley, <laughs> That's which what starts we watch. at uh, 11 o'clock on uh, TCM. Uh, yes, at your DVRs. It's fun stuff. And and we like, sometimes, even if we've seen the movie, we'll watch it to see his intros and outros, uh, yeah. because he gives such wonderful behind-the-scenes stories.
1: And minutia. Yeah. Good, good trivia. And, and just stuff like, you're going, whoa, I didn't know that. And then all of a sudden, you're interested in the movie. So, yes, we're, we're going to be up against him tonight as we're talking to him, because we'll be talking to him in the midnight hour. Uh, he's on the West Coast, and his book is absolutely gorgeous. So, we'll you'll hear more about that coming up later on tonight.
0: Also coming up later tonight, the musical mentalist Sidney Friedman will be joining us in studio.
1: Yes, 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 yes. We're going to take a quick break and come back and continue our round robin. And a little shout out to people who are listening to us from as far south as Florida Mm -hmm. and as far west as a suburb of Denver. Many
0: of them listening on their old-fashioned AM radios.
1: Yes, don't you love it? So we'll take a break. We'll come right back here on WGN.
0: And we're all doing the bunny hop. Yes. Let's see who did that. Uh, don't don't tell me, Julian. Uh, Bunny Hop was, but there were actually a couple hit versions. There were hit versions. Of the oh, Bunny there Hop. were, yeah. And years and years ago, Jim Lounsbury, who worked at this radio station and did uh, what became Bandstand Matinee on Channel Nine, which was Chicago's version of uh, Dick Clark's American Bandstand. Uh, Jim would occasionally play that, and they would have this line of people, and they'd be hop, hop, hopping. I think it was. I think Ray Anthony had one of the versions of that. Ding, ding, ding. Really? Really? Oh, go me, go me. <laughs> okay. Lean
1: over here.
0: <laughs> uh, if you're wondering, uh, Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. Yes, we have a full show tonight. Which reminds me. Next week, we also have a full show. The week after next, Mm -hmm. which will be the 1st of July, we have a full show. But we ain't going to be here. (laughs) I wonder why. That's NASCAR weekend. Oh,
1: I thought it was because of the volleyball convention that's in town that weekend.
0: Uh, And honestly, it's going to be, assuming they can find any best of us, (laughs) uh, it's going to be a best of replay on the first, because yes. we're not coming anywhere close to downtown Chicago uh, on that weekend.
1: Well, the keeper of the big plug, Bob is in here.
0: Do you have to be down here on that oh, weekend? Yeah.
1: Well, what's the What's the word behind the scenes about? Uh, you won't have any difficulty getting here. They're saying they're going to helicopter you Pretty in. Much it. Yeah, really, I mean, we're,
3: for, we're too far north, so. We shouldn't be affected yeah.
0: adversely. Uh, allegedly, <laughs> operative word shouldn't. Correct.
1: Yes, of course. The, the, those who are saying that will be at home. They right. won't oh, be yeah.
0: trying to get here. <laughs> but, but wait a minute. How how would you be coming in? Because I believe they're going to have the drive closed to Forty South. So I don't know if you come in off the Stevenson, you wouldn't be able to to take that. No. so what would you do just take the orion into the to the kennedy and come oh. over on ohio and then
3: or take it to uh you know the the eisenhower and come in off of lower wacker
1: mm-hmm. okay or leave june 29th and just yeah. or, you know
3: get the get the company to spring for a room next now door. You're yep, there you go. wave you y- yes know.
1: and, there and you just go. kind of saunter over here when it's showtime right <laughs>
0: Or see if any of the people looking at us from the building next door have a room they want.
1: (laughs) You know what? Now Bob's blushing. (laughs) So there is a volleyball convention that weekend. There's a a Cubs home game.
3: Cleveland Indians.
1: And since it's Fourth of July weekend, there are fireworks, well, all summer at 10 o'clock. In fact, we'll have a great show at 10 o'clock tonight. But for Fourth of July weekend, it's a little bigger. It's a little better. And I don't know if it's the official holiday f- fireworks, but there were a lot of people that had every intention of trying to get over to the lakefront so they could see said fireworks.
0: And speaking of uh, said fireworks, if you want to uh, go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Show, and spell it out, S-T-E-V-E-A-N-D-J-O-H-N-N-I-E-S-H-O-W, and you scroll down, well, first of all, you'll see some pictures we put up from tonight's drive-in and some of the things we were seeing once we got here.
1: Delightful drive-in tonight,
0: by the way. But then scroll down to the video that Johnny did last week of mm-hmm. the fireworks. Literally thousands of people have looked at that video and been sharing it.
1: Mm-hmm. I got very lucky. Uh, that was, at, again, 10 o'clock. You're going to see fireworks uh, at Navy Pier every night i think until labor day and then on wednesday nights are nine o'clock they're 10 o'clock on saturday nights and we were waiting for what was playing last week was that a
0: um oh, it, was was ge- it was game four of the uh, stanley cup
1: it was it was hockey i almost said hockey yeah. and i thought that's wrong yeah. <laughs> how soon <laughs> we forget <laughs> but we were waiting for that to wrap up yeah. when we were enamored by a fabulous fireworks display last uh, saturday so that's there and the pictures of our trip in tonight mm-hmm. and you can tell it's a little hazy there had been some talk about possibly did you notice that too bob the, the the smoke that had been talked about for over a week now i guess we're actually seeing some of it here in chicago finally Just a little yeah. hazy yeah. a little yellow a little yellow tinge to the sky but we don't monkey with the pictures at all all the pictures Mm-mm. that we're taking driving the speed limit are pictures that are posted without any filtering or any sweetening or anything like that
0: was that your magic watch
1: that was mickey literally mickey was telling him <laughs> bob something. has this
0: dick tracy watch that, but it's uh, got
1: mickey mouse on it see
0: and those of you with your zits and plugs connected to the 24. radio you can Good
1: night, pal. <laughs> <laughs> i want that i need that you know, I have a Mickey Mouse kitchen, a whole kitchen that's a Mickey Mouse. Literally. All my utensils are Mickey Mouse. My cutting board's Mickey's head. And I can wear my Mickey Mouse fur coat when I'm mm-hmm. in my Mickey Mouse kitchen. Um, I also have a bathroom that's kind of Mickey, but...
0: We need to get a picture of you in that Mickey Mouse fur coat in the kitchen sometime.
1: <laughs> the one that almost got me arrested on Michigan Avenue with a PETA person that was following me, wondering why I was wearing That was fur. so
0: strange. And this goes back to uh, Johnny and I, uh, what was the 86 or something like that? It was one of our first Christmases. Mm -hmm. And we always watched As the World Turns and Guiding Light. (laughs) Faithfully. And there was a character on which one? Was it As the World Turns? Guiding Light. Guiding Light. That had this incredible coat. I literally called up CBS in New York to talk to somebody to find out. Where do I get that coat?
1: Because it looks like a leopard coat, but the the spots are Mickey's head, so it doesn't jump right out at you. And then when you realize that those black spots are actually Mickey's silhouette, it's really very funny.
0: A, I hunted all over. You did. Couldn't find it. Wound up uh, ultimately getting it at uh, what Neiman Marcus in Northbrook Court, from, I think.
1: Ne- from uh, Disney Store in Paris. Yeah. Now that's true love. Not only did you call CBS, but you got it from the Disney store in Paris. I think they just wanted to get rid of it. They went, what? We've got a guy in Chicago that wants
0: it? So to cut to the chase... Johnny is wearing this, yep. and you were in an elevator.
1: I was. And it got very tense because a person was going to, at least they didn't have red paint or anything with them, but I could tell that this was a person that was very passionate about animals and fur and such, and started to, to light into me about it. And I said, Whoa, 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 there was a lot of cotton that died for this fur coat. A lot. And then I started pointing to the Mickey heads on it. And I'm like, And she busted out laughing. I was like, Phew.
0: I was close. But she had been serious.
1: Very serious, very tense, especially in an elevator. There's nothing worse than being in that environment, and you think, This is the longest ride of my Mm -hmm. life. This person is looking at me. Or how about the person who gets on the elevator and they turn their back to the door and they're looking at you all in the elevator? Now that.
0: And you're trying to avoid eye contact at (laughs) all costs because you realize this person is crazy.
1: Easily. <laughs> well, Julian's on the other side of the glass. So tonight, when you check in with him. And-
0: now, now, Julian, this is your second week back with us. So we, we assume you're heading on a two-week vacation next week. Is that correct? Or, uh-
3: I
1: think I'll start pushing it to three. Really? Okay. He's building his All right. stamina. All right. Because he's only working in like 16-hour days. Right? right, Julian?
3: Probably a bit more than that.
1: Well, more than that?
3: Nothing I can't handle.
1: Okay. Did you play the bunny hop because you were doing a wedding this afternoon?
3: No. You know, I was craving some bunny hop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love Julian. That's a sentence I never thought no, I would hear you say, Julian, ever. or never thought I would hear anyone else Not say, for that ever, matter.
1: Ever, Even at a wedding. Julian is a professional photographer. That's why I asked him if he was doing yeah. a wedding this afternoon. You did have a photography gig, though, didn't you?
3: Oh, yeah. Just a few birthday parties.
1: Oh, That must be
0: fun. Kids?
3: No, a 50-year-old man.
0: Well, very nice. Made him look like he was 40. As a professional photographer, what is the oddest place you have ever done a a photo session? And I'm asking because there are some friends of ours that we're going to be having uh, back on when we're back down in Panama City Beach. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jack and Jen. They have a new album coming out. They have a, a photographer... Who took a picture of them. It's like under the, this bridge. bridge, but they're standing in water.
1: Up to their waist.
0: And it, it's just it's and some leaning, wonderful shots. They're
1: leaning against the pylons under the bridge. Yeah. And you, and there's no graffiti. Did you notice that? There was no yeah. graffiti under that bridge, which I found hard to believe. Because you had all that <laughs> clean space that you could be... Marking it up, but uh, she was dressed in a sparkly outfit, yeah. and I think he had a guitar. And a he's couple got of a shots. guitar,
0: and the, I mean, it's it's yeah. going to be a great album. But that leads me to what's the the oddest place you've ever done a photo session?
3: I think the oddest would be um, I forgot what beach close to Northerly Island. There's a secluded beach with a bunch of uh, concrete strewn about, and there's a um, a, a piece of concrete that says unemployed on it and a friend of mine she saw it and she said i'm gonna lay on this because i'm unemployed
1: <laughs> that's good
4: okay
3: just right. one I've had.
1: so it must be like the rocks because that's what we call them those yeah. f- flat pieces of concrete that Certainly. jut out to keep mm-hmm. i guess to keep the lake from coming in any closer because yeah. on the north side our rocks were bob were you north side or south side south side south side okay we'll let you stay <sighs>
0: Uh, growing up, I used to play on uh, on some of the rocks at Jackson Park.
1: Yeah, our rocks were at Hollywood, Foster, where you could actually take your paints and you could you know, leave your... your... I don't think that's there. Somebody tell me in, in a text at 312-981-7200, have they washed all of those great memories away that were there for generations, literally generations?
0: I think they're still there. I don't know. By the way, speaking of the rocks in Jackson Park, Ron, I want to come back to something you posted, and I I uh, responded to on Facebook. We'll we'll get to that uh, after the news. Okay, which if I uh, stop talking, will happen now. Steve King and Johnny Putman of WGN Radio, "Love on the Rocks,"
1: and thanks to engineer Bob for knowing who did that song because we went "Love on the Rocks." He said Neil Diamond. Yeah. Yes, that's right.
0: It's it's kind of a circuitous route to get back to. <laughs> What we were talking about, love on the rocks and people right on the rocks, Mm -hmm. uh, north side, south side, and south side, I uh, went to Jackson Park a lot, and there was a post that Ron did earlier this week and i never see anybody posting about this but it had to do with the jackson park on the south side and i forget the locations on the north Montrose. side that were the locations for the uh the uh or nike the nike missile silos
2: yeah yeah also belmont harbor oh
0: yeah. belmont too
2: yeah
1: huh
0: are any of those still around or have they all been dismantled by now
2: They've mostly been dismantled. I think that uh, uh, Jeffrey uh, Bear, isn't it? Uh, WTTW, yes. yeah, uh, had a nice little story on there that I just thought was really, really interesting. And uh, he said that uh, he had actually seen them uh, as a as a as a child. He had seen the missiles that were out there, and they were Nike missiles, mm-hmm. and those were to shoot down any inter inter. No planes, any bombers, Mm -hmm. and then they were replaced by intercontinental ballistic missiles. But for a short time, they were an important part of uh, America's defense, and they were all around the area. I I remember
0: growing up, uh, well, I I grew up in the 50s, and that was a big deal, that Chicago was one of the cities that was uh, chosen to have those sites.
1: Mm -hmm. And Jackson Park is now a golf course, and Belmont Harbor is a grassy area on the lakefront, as is the old Promontory Point site, and that's uh, from the uh, the Jeffrey Bear piece that uh, Ron posted earlier this week. Yeah, yeah. I, I, honestly, growing up on the north side, I don't know that anybody ever told us about, and this would have been in the '60s about what had been at Montrose and Belmont Harbor.
0: Ron, do you remember? Because I, I didn't look at all the piece. When were they, they taken out? Because I recall them being there, certainly in the fifties, and I thought into the sixties.
2: I think that he did say, yeah, in the in the early sixties, that uh, that they were just obsolete uh, at, at some point. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, but they were they were active for many years around here, and it was not that it was a secret. Uh, it was uh, kind of a deterrent for people to know sure. that you you. That, that we have these Nike missiles. And there was one of those places, I can't remember which one, that actually has a model of a Nike missile. Uh,
1: he says there were sites in Wolf Lake, Fort Sheridan, and the Skokie Lagoons. And it appears that Wolf Lake might be where, if I go to the bottom of the article, Wolf Lake might be where you can see a little bit more of the history of what was there back in the, in the 50s. It's a good article too. Oh, I
2: love I love Chicago history. I love uh, just history in general. And there are just so many wonderful stories that uh, will just, you know, drop your jaw when you mm-hmm. when you hear them. Is that, is that right? Is that yeah. true?
1: Did you grow up in Chicago?
2: I did. Yeah, on the North Side.
1: You, too. Yeah. Huh. Well, where did you go to school?
2: Uh, in uh, At McPherson uh, for grade school and then uh, Amundsen for high school.
1: Oh, Sen High School here, Bulldog.
2: There you go. We played you in uh, basketball. <laughs> Good team. Good <laughs> yes. team. South Shore
0: High School on the south side. But I don't recall this in, in high school, but in grammar school we had to do these duck under the desks
1: oh yes uh,
0: the the drills every tuesday morning 10:30 oh. and i always thought you know if anybody attacks us tuesday morning at 10:30 nobody's going to know
1: <laughs> i could not, we had to also pull our our shirt up over our head not every week but that was one of the things that we were required to do in grade school when you duck under the desk take your you know assuming you're not going to be bare like if you've got a sweater you pull that up over your head because mm-hmm. that would really protect oh, you.
2: oh yeah you know. <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> it'll keep that radiation off of you yeah it. boy <laughs> you, you think about you know i don't know that it was paranoia uh but it's certainly the, the the tensions were just so much higher in in the 50s and in the early 60s than what they are today and i don't know that there's any less of a risk of anything happening but you would certainly hope so
1: But that I I was thinking about this the other day, things that you're told when you were a kid and Mm -hmm. you accept it as gospel, Mm -hmm. and then when you get to be an adult, you go, golly, that was stupid.
0: My grandmother always said, you don't want to eat the watermelon seeds because a watermelon will grow in your stomach.
1: I'm talking about something big and scary like war. Do not put snow in your mouth because the Russians are tainting the snow. And I mean, if we got snow around our (laughs) mouth, it was like... (laughs) <laughs> Spitting it out because of the damn Russians have put something I, in the snow.
0: I just always went with
2: Frank Zappa's logic. Don't, Don't eat, eat the yellow, the yellow snow. snow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there, there may be some truth to it because you have survived so far. True. Well,
1: <laughs> now. True. Very good point, yes. Well, and that could be and why. And I never, ever tasted a uh, not even so much as a snowflake. What do you mean hold your tongue out and let a snowflake land on it? No way. I'm not letting the Russians take me out that way. They're
2: diabolical. <laughs> yeah, diabolical. really? Oh,
1: God.
0: Julian, does all this sound like a foreign land to you?
3: <laughs>
0: More or less. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, golly. Yeah. You know what? I, I wonder what, uh, Julian, what your kids and grandkids will look back on and say, really? You guys thought that?
1: Yeah, well, probably. You mean you held a thing in your hand so that you could talk on it when it's just inserted under our skin? Right, Julian? You're going to be like old school.
3: That's something to think about, but I don't plan on having kids, so that's not even on my radar.
1: (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) A listener from a 630 area code said, I worked at 1717 Park in Naperville, and that building was a launch site, and you can still go in the basement and apparently see stuff. And, and and see
0: the shell of where the missiles were stored. Wow! And the escape hatch.
1: Hmm. Wow. 630 says, I agree. Up in Addison in the 60s, a Nike missile parked outside our house for a few years. That'll get your attention. Uh, to stage for the Addison Day Parade.
0: It just parked outside your house? <laughs> it just pulled up one day? Okay, I'm going to... Park a Nike missile
1: outside <laughs> your house.
2: See, I think those things should be preserved. I think those stories should be yep. preserved. They yes. should be well known when we talk about our area history. Yes,
1: you're right. You're it, right. It
2: shouldn't be a surprise to us.
1: Do you remember that in eighth grade we had to pass a Chicago history test yep. before you could go on to high school? What,
2: what now, was it called
0: Chicago history? Or I remember having to take it. Uh, it was like a civics. It was a state. Civics. Ours was just
1: Chicago. We had to do Chicago. You had to know what every star on the flag stood for. And you yeah. know they're talking about changing the flag too, the the state flag. Yeah. And there's even some rumbling about the Chicago flag, even adding another star to the Chicago flag. I'm not big on change like that. I have to take that slow. Yeah, but but the-
0: see, you, you didn't have to do the civics things because you weren't being taught by the nuns
2: at St. Bride.
0: <laughs>
1: this is true, <laughs> Ron. We were lucky. We weren't. Yes. <laughs>
2: Yes, that must have been tough.
1: Oh, look at him! You know, yeah. <laughs> I asked him the no. It was your brother. I went shopping with your brother, and I said, "You need some navy blue slacks." And he stopped cold in the store, and he said, "Navy blue."
0: And I understand why he's doing I'll that. I'll never wear navy blue.
1: And he said, "Navy is the new black."
0: No. no, because when we went to Our Lady of Peace and Saint Bride's, you had to wear. Like a uh, th- this blue Blazer? shirt.
1: Or light blue shirt. It navy- was a light
0: blue shirt and navy blue corduroy pants. So that you could... that in a winter <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, only if you had chubby legs would you get the corduroy... <laughs>
2: Couldn't sneak up on anybody else. <laughs> That's right. Sure.
1: No. <laughs> Especially if you had cheap shoes on top of it and you were squeaking. Uh, 630 area code said Nike Ajax replaced by Nike Hercules, but the nuclear tipped... Nike X was never deployed. Wow, people know a lot of stuff about this Nike business.
2: You got some smart listeners.
1: Yeah, I would see the Belmont Harborside adjacent to the Gun Club Skeet Range, driving to college at Navy Pier in the mid-60s. That comes from Davy and Mount Prospect. Send 64. All right, a fellow bulldog.
0: And a 708 area code Nike Missiles in Homewood, Illinois, right in the middle of the neighborhood. What? <laughs> wow.
1: What? <laughs> <laughs> huh? Uh, this one from a 614 area code. I remember doing those drills in grade school. Also I was in grade school in the early 70s in Evanston. I also remember the civil defense signs in school. Yes. Those were always very yes. scary to me, those civil defense signs. And no one ever explained them to us. They were just things that you should be scared of. Yeah, It's like my first job in radio. We had an envelope. And when we started mm-hmm. working there, you you put your license up on the wall. Yep.
0: And your third-class un- license. And just
1: below that, there was a box. Your third-class
0: endorsed.
1: Endorsed license. license. And underneath that was a box, and in that box was the envelope. Ron, do you remember the envelope? Did you ever work at a station where you Ron, had... Ron is... Because the envelope... Well, you remember the envelope. Oh, yeah. That's if...
0: If there was a certain code If all hell breaks loose. If there was a real EBS test, okay, here's the code. You now go open the envelope. Open the envelope and that would have further instructions on what you were supposed to broadcast.
1: And when I was a baby disc jockey, I literally had nightmares thinking that there was like nothing on that paper or there was a joke. You know, somebody had written ha ha you know, bye bye. I literally worried Mm -hmm. about that. I just wanted to look in that envelope to find out what it is I'm supposed to do in the event we have a real EBS.
0: And do you remember, what was it, in the 90s when there was the, it was a, 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 like a mistaken EBS alert. With and this Spike, radio station. And Spike was on the air at the time. And I'm trying to recall the
1: Couple of stations in town also picked it up. There was a malfunction. Yeah, that sent out the e- that was some scary stuff. Yeah, it really was. All right, I'm going to catch my breath. I promise you I'm going to get to the round robin of those of you who are listening to us the old-fashioned way and listening to us all around the country. Everything. you, We have such a game plan.
0: Johnny just said she's going to do the round robin of yes, the people I who are am. listening, how they're listening, where they're listening from,
1: my favorite, what they're
0: wearing. My,
1: my favorite uh, des- uh, well, location tonight is Butternut, Wisconsin. That just sounds like a sweet place to be. 400,
0: not Wisconsin.
1: 400 miles north of Chicago. That's where Bonnie is listening to us. tonight. And I think Bonnie must have grown up in Chicago because she has some memories of uh, uh, s- s- some of the things we're talking about. In particular, she said on Fullerton Avenue in Chicago by the old Western Electric Plant, there was a bridge structure with a radar detection equipment. And we heard that as kids, but mm-hmm. I always thought it was like, you know, somebody's got a wild imagination. What are they talking about? Again, I'm getting an education tonight. But, Bonnie, thank you for listening in. Here we go. We have a Dean in Indy who reports that Gladys Knight was a great concert last night.
0: Oh, Gladys Knight. Mm-hmm. Gladys Knight is one of those fond memories I have. Uh, we've been uh, fortunate enough to interview her several times, but we were down at Disney World. Mm-hmm. I forget what the promotion was. It may have been for Aladdin. the Dick Tree. Was it Aladdin? Mm-hmm. And as part of that... Gladys Knight was performing, and Bob Collins and I went over and, and watched her, and she was just magic.
1: I know, and I'm ashamed, that Bob's wife, Christine, and I went shopping. Yeah, that's
0: because right. Because
1: everybody Johnny was and Christine
0: be- were going shopping, everybody and Bob else and I was- were watching Gladys.
1: And everybody else was watching Gladys, so it was a good time for us to go shopping. And you could tell us about it later that night. I'm sorry. And we did. <laughs> All right. Gina's listening to us in Lone Tree, Colorado, which is a suburb of Denver. And she's listening to us on her iPhone because we asked, tell us how you're listening yeah. to us. And a lot of folks are listening on their good old terrestrial radios. Yeah. Good old fashioned way. Helen Tom, uh, that's Helen Thomas up in Kenosha. That's how she's listening to us. Joan is listening with Alexa. In Greendale, Wisconsin, once again, Wisconsin's coming through for us. Gene is listening on the radio in Milwaukee. Uh, Brian is a top fan. He's Thank you, Brian, for listening and being so faithful. He's right here in Chicago, as is our buddy Bobby D, mm-hmm. listening on his new radio out in Sandwich, Illinois.
0: His AM radio.
1: Yes. Uh, Delphine. Isn't that a great name? Delphine. Yeah. And what do you think of? I think of the Delphonics. Okay. Yes. Uh, I was
0: going for Delphi radios, but that's (laughs) just...
1: (laughs) Hello? (laughs) The keeper of the big plug is a very popular man. Mickey is... What was that all about, Bob?
3: It's a a long story. Okay. (laughs) Once a mother, always a mother. Really? Yes. My wife lost track of my daughter who was visiting, and so she panicked, and she called me to try and see if I knew...
1: Well, I don't blame her.
3: And that was probably my daughter saying, I'm okay.
1: I don't now see I'm worried you better find out if that really was her because now I'm going to be fretting all night long Uh, Delphine is listening on the radio in Chicago Patrice in Highland Indiana we also have Dyer Indiana listening tonight Lester Clyden we talked to Lester he was our last caller last week it
0: was so fun to talk to Lester he's an
1: Amazon truck driver these Mm -hmm. days and and just has been with us forever Sandy's in Michigan City Indiana Donna's in Oak Lawn Uh, Vernon Hills is listening in our buddy Chuck Snitchler he was, um out today, but he promised he would be home in time to listen live tonight in Hobart, Indiana. So thank you, Chuck. Uh, Christine is listening on her Sea Crane Radio in Plainfield.
0: Love Sea Crane Radio.
1: Yes. Maynard is listening in Goshen, Indiana. Uh, Mary is in Amboy. Uh, The north side of Chicago is checking in, as is the south side. In South Florida, Carol is listening. Ron is a top fan in Sycamore. Judy B's in New Buffalo, Michigan. And again... It looks like Jean is tuning in every week online, and she's in Greenville, North Carolina. So thank you all for tuning in. we just like to do a little round-robin, find out where you're listening to us at night.
0: And you can text us uh, throughout the show, 312-981-7200, and let us know where you're listening, Mm -hmm. how you're listening.
1: In fact, uh, 847 just checked in and said, So, why did Bob Collins call Christine old Agnes? We're listening on our iPad and Bluetooth speaker. It was just a nickname. Yeah,
0: the, I this forget. Like,
1: he called me Johnny Gale, uh, yeah. my full name. And for the longest time, I would have to tell people, no, there are not two Johnnies at work here.
0: Because some people really did think that.
1: Uh, which Johnny are you? The Johnny that does traffic or Johnny Gale. And I'm like, what? <laughs> We're not a but, dime a dozen.
0: But, but that's like, <sighs> when Johnny and I got married... There were some people who got very upset mm-hmm.
1: because... Because you had a great name for me. I was Morticia.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you started and, dating And this is Morticia. before
0: anybody knew that Johnny and I were dating. So if Johnny and I did something, I said, well, Morticia and I did blah, 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 blah. So, so when it was announced that Johnny and I were engaged, there were some listeners that were upset that I had thrown Morticia away. <laughs>
1: what happened to morticia we have letters we have actual we honest we to god really letters do. where people wrote sat down and they wrote with a great deal of anger and said steve you should be ashamed of yourself just flaunting it on the radio you just Cause
0: i've been dating more well since you and i started dating yes. I, with, yes I guess it was about a good year before yeah. we announced that we were us yeah and god bless you guys
1: that's all I can say.
0: Well, then also, there, there was one other person who was upset when our engagement was announced. And, My mother. And and the, well, there was that because she found out about it on the air from from Clark Weber. <laughs>
1: the whole when, family when found Clark- out. <laughs> <laughs> they they called and said, "Really, he wouldn't tell us first? I said, "I had no control over him."
0: But the other person who was uh, highly upset was. Uh, this wonderful fee person that I used to have New Year's Eve dates with. Oh,
1: yes. a witch. Deal a witch. She was a witch. <laughs>
0: And that story will be in the, uh, in the book. Yes. Uh, Burr Telström, Kukla Friend, and Ali. And uh, Burr and I became good friends. And, and, uh, and
1: she was really mad. She called in on the radio and she was going to put a hex well, on me. because and...
0: for several years, Beulah had been flying around outside the studio waiting to take me on her broom for a New Year's Eve ride <laughs> around the city of Chicago. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Stick around, folks. It gets weirder as the night goes on. I promise you, after oh, one... Can it get
0: weirder than yeah, this?
1: It gets really weird after
0: one. It's magic, and all kinds of things are going to happen. Just buckle up, put your hand on the radio, <laughs> because one of our favorite people has joined us in studio, the musical mentalist.
1: It's okay to call you a mind reader, right, Sydney?
0: You can call me whatever you like. It's great to be here. Okay, well, great thank you, Sydney days. Friedman, back in the studio with us. Yes,
1: futurist, best-selling author, speaker, uh, uh, great dresser.
5: <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to class it up a little bit with this shirt. That's uh, so.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> and you
5: were which TV show was it you were just on this week? I think I was uh, on a couple of those. I was on uh, daytime Chicago on WGN. Yeah, uh, wasn't
1: that number fifty for you on WGN TV?
5: Uh, that well, that show was maybe the second time because that's a newer show, oh, but uh, that's right, yes. But I've been on the WGN Morning News, I think, 50 or 60 times. That's and then right. I was on uh, Good Day Chicago on yes? Fox 32, right? And that was like 50 right. something, I don't know. Oh
1: my gosh, and one of the
5: producers came up to me and said, You know, this was it. So they, really they me on for a
1: Wow. For quite a while. And Just like you
5: guys, I've been on your show many times. Many times, Love yes. It. And Sydney
1: yeah. is a Chicago We're lucky to have him here in Chicago. Somebody asked me tonight, does he ever do anything in Vegas? You're actually leaving here to do three shows in I'm Vegas, doing, right?
5: Yeah, I actually, on Monday morning, I fly out and do a show Monday night in Vegas and two on Tuesday. Then I wow. take the red eye back on. <laughs> Uh, at midnight, and come back for Wednesday night to do a show here in Chicago at Carnival. Yes. we're going to talk yes. about. Yes. So. Yeah.
1: And that show is going to be... Now, you've had some great success with your Secrets show at yes. Carnival. Yes. And they just set a whole mood for you, don't they? Right.
5: Well, the owner, Bill Maravitz, uh, has had Carnival since, I think, 2007, 2008. Uh-huh. But recently, he created the secret space in the back. Mm-hmm. And, um, he, uh, it's. They take the audience around. When you arrive there, they take you around to the back alley, in a secret door, up a freight elevator, down us another secret hallway, wow. and it opens up into a speakeasy. Type and you have environment. to say Joe sent you, it's something like that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, there's a password. No, no. But they take you into this special room, and it's theater in the round, so there's not a bad seat.
1: Nice and <laughs> food. Unless
5: you're looking at my behind. Okay, so <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, but. But I, I incorporate the whole, whole audience, and Theater in the Round is always very intimate yeah. and very nice. So.
0: Is Theater in the Round more difficult for you? Because Johnny and I have gone to a couple Theater in the Round performances, and they're always fascinating, but I always kind of feel bad for the people on stage, because doesn't it – you have to really be aware of everything
5: all the way around I you. love it, because for me, it's I, I have nothing to hide here. It's just, okay. I won't – They think of something that's magical where there's things behind the person, and they can't. This way, they know there's nothing. Good point. Yeah. And I just have a sense. I can. I have like like teachers have the eyes in the back of their head, Yeah. You know, (laughs) right? You know, they're back. They turn their back to the class. They still know who's misbehaving back Uh there. You know, (laughs) know, and I just kind of I have a sense of the audience. And I in back of my head, I'm incorporating everybody. I don't. Wow. I don't, and and I kind of learned that early on. marriott lincolnshire it's theater in the round right. mm-hmm. i've seen performers do yeah. really well there with mm-hmm. that yeah well the so. blade and plug
0: light is going on so if people want tickets where do they go how do they get well, them? well sydneysecrets.com Sydney
5: is the website s-i-d-n-e-y secrets.com and cocktails
1: secrets. and food yeah are they have available. wonderful
5: food there it's a more mm-hmm. limited menu in this Secret space on Wednesday night, but it's mm-hmm. very, really good. But you
1: don't have to eat; you, you can come just to, for no. the show. Well,
5: so it's uh, there's a ticket price plus a one drink minimum. That's nice. The, yes, you get one drink even if it's a non alcoholic. Right, beverage,
1: so. and if you're on the. Um uh, Dan Ryan Expressway, right now, and you're heading north into mm-hmm. downtown Chicago on your right-hand side, you'll see Carnival, right? a
5: right. beautiful building. Or the building. Kennedy, is it the Kennedy? Hey,
1: well, it becomes the Kennedy, or whatever, so you're yeah, headed that way
5: out. You're on 94. Whatever it is, it has construction. The one with yeah. The yeah. yeah. one with construction. <laughs> and there's only one with construction <laughs> <Right>. around Chicago. <laughs> no, yeah, <I> know. <laughs> yeah, no, you see it there, yeah.
1: Yes, you yeah. do, and it's a lovely place. Yeah. And um, the last time we had you on, you are actually doing a family event, which is totally different and it was um, oh one right. Of the I was Northern doing suburbs. one up
5: at the Gorton Center in yes. Lake Forest, uh, the John Hughes Theater. John Hughes, right. uh, they, they uh, some massive amount of money they right. spent to renovate this theater, and they have wonderful programs up there. Um,
1: and we we had, heard good things about that show yeah, though too, because right. people took their kids to see yes. you, and yeah. you know that was a. a they don't see anything like you on television, unless right. they happen to catch you on on uh, WGN's Morning
0: News. Right? Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, so. Very cool. Sydney Very- Friedman is our guest.
0: Yeah. And uh, you can go to uh, sydneyfriedman uh, dot com slash secrets
1: now. We call Bob Fakuda here. He's the keeper of the big plug. He keeps us on the air overnight, okay? Right. Now, you asked Bob to do something during that news break. Just as you walked in the studio, right. I said, what are you have planned tonight? And you said, hmm. Bob walked in about that time to tell us that his daughter is okay because I was worried about yeah. that. And then – We decided that Bob would be a good uh, victim, no. um, Proving the uh, timing is everything, (laughs) Contestant. Right. Um, And you gave him a pad, and you said, draw something.
5: Right. I I had him draw a picture. I had you do it behind me. I walked away from you. Is that correct? That's correct. And I had my back turned to you. I just said you could draw absolutely anything you want. I didn't tell you what to draw. And after you drew it. I sealed it in an envelope. You sealed it in an envelope. And you didn't tell me, or did you tell anybody what what it is? Nope. Nothing. Okay, good. So, so this is kind of a test. And when you, I walked in here 10 minutes ago, you said, what am I going to do? And I, I just didn't have you any You got a plan. big
1: sack of stuff. I just you know? a
5: sack of things, but and I and have like, no idea what I'm going to do. So I was just yeah. kind of like, I was going to like just kind of wing it here. But this felt right. Like maybe, okay. Are you
1: ready to it. do this? Or and do
5: none of it? this is 100%. So we'll see if we can get this. Um, and I said you could draw absolutely anything. And this has something to do. I, a lot of people will draw like a house and a tree. This is nothing like that. Um, in fact, and some people draw an abstract thing. It's nothing like that. Uh, some people draw something to do with nature, and it's nothing like that either. This is some kind of a symbol. I get some kind of symbolism to it. I'm not quite sure what that might be. Um, and I'm seeing like a uh, – actually, I'm going to draw a uh, uh, sydney Sidney's
1: got a paper and a pa- – well, a right, pad. Yeah,
5: describe this for the people listening. And, and
1: you're drawing, and occasionally you look to Bob, and then you go back
5: to – I have no idea what this is. I absolutely know, but I just get kind of a, a sort of an image here, and it might be close. Maybe it's not. We will see. Okay. And I got something like this. Would you open your envelope? Is it? You're close. I'm close. Okay.
1: What? What? So maybe
5: the heck is Johnny, you can describe what I do. yours
1: looks like an arrow. Yeah, that's what I was of going pointing to say. Out. A road, kind of like, kind
5: of like a or road, maybe it's a arrow road or something
1: pointing up. And then Bob's opening his. And based envelope.
0: on what we talked about earlier. What? <gasps> oh, good grief. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh oh, oh, it's, it a, uh... it's an arrow
0: No, it's, no or, it's, or is it oh, a it's Nike a missile. silo it's a missile It's a yeah. missile
1: Oh my gosh And that's basic
3: But you're right It looks like an arrow
1: Sydney, that just came to you. You just looked at him and you said, "It's not a. It's not a. It's not a." Mm, I'm going to draw this. Yeah, this is something I've you even look like or, you're shocked.
5: I, I am because it's this is because it's weird. I get maybe yeah. He didn't think it was going to be, and it's oh, about sixty-five, seventy percent of the time I'm right on. Then there's because I looked fifteen percent of the time I'm close, and there's ten percent of the time I'm totally off. Well, I'm, time, I'm, I had the feeling it was totally off, and that no, no this, so this is I'm very right, close. right
1: yeah. because yeah. it looks like. Um, in fact, now that you say missile, I'm saying it looks like a missile. Yeah, that's
0: crazy. Wow. You know what? We'll, we have to take a break. During the break, <laughs> I'm going to ask if, if Johnny can take a picture of both you guys holding up what you're both doing, and we'll post it on Facebook so you can you can see what. There you go. Again,
1: to just say it tickles me when Sydney, the, the mentalist, says, "Wow, wow, yeah, like he yeah. says, wow, I got it right." <laughs> How cool of it! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll take a break. We'll come right back. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen with right. Sidney Friedman here on WGN?
0: Johnny just posted on our Facebook page. If you go to facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny Show, and you'll see the picture that Johnny just posted mm-hmm. of uh, Sidney and Bob standing, and Bob is holding the uh, his drawing, and then Sidney <laughs> is holding. What he drew, not knowing what Bob
5: drew. (laughs) I'm
1: looking at the picture and it just makes me laugh because, out of all the things in the world, (laughs) yeah, the most
5: common people draw flowers. People draw beach scenes. Uh, They'll draw something with the moon and the stars, the things like that. But the funny thing—that's a more odd one. You said Uh, the other day I had somebody draw a snake which oh. is really interesting.
1: You said, so. are you an artist? And Bob said, no. And you said, good, because you didn't want somebody like getting lost in all the, the crazy detail all of the, making right. a, a I like masterpiece.
5: Yeah, I don't need the yes. masterpiece. That, and you that said,
1: make it less than a minute. Right. Yeah. And we were talking um, earlier about, uh, believe it or not, about missiles. And I, he, to me, I'm looking and going, you drew an arrow. I didn't even put it together. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, Sidney Friedman is our guest, and you can catch him on Wednesday night at Carnival. It's his secrets show, and I just checked, in, and doors open like at six six thirty. So right, want to be there so the you can very get beginning. there early,
5: have a little dinner, cocktail, yeah. and the show starts at seven thirty.
1: Right. Uh, take a minute, if you will, and uh, talk about the Dunninger Award because that's a really big oh, deal.
5: Oh, thank you. Yes, in the uh, world of the what I guess you'd call the magical arts, mm-hmm. um, it's uh, kind of the. Oscar of the Magical Arts, yeah. and people like Uri Geller have received one, and uh, uh, Darren Brown, who's very big in Europe, and uh, the Creskin received one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so
1: the great Creskin. The great
5: Creskin and I received one, too, So yeah. a couple years ago. So it was, how cool. They, they, they issue it once a year. It's nothing you apply for. They just kind of... They find you. They and, find you. So yeah. I was. How, I was
0: how did you find out that Somehow you they thought I was good
5: enough. <laughs> so. How did you find out that, that, that you won it? Uh, they, uh, this the, I received a phone call and then an official uh, thing in the mail and then then the actual trophy and all mm-hmm. of that and and it was actually during the pandemic. You're, usually they fly you to a for a little dinner yeah. or something, yeah. but they 21. didn't have yeah. one. So yeah. online there was a little presentation, yeah, uh, a Zoom presentation.
1: So. I don't know. Do you know uh, any history about Dunninger? Because I think he right. did magic on the radio. Yes,
5: Joseph Dunninger was a mentalist in the nineteen fifties. And occasionally he'd appear uh, in on the Ed Sullivan show in the late '50s, oh, okay. '60s. Uh, but he had his own radio show. And, so for uh, people
1: who say magic on the radio, yeah, I know. yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: but he was a mentalist who did that, and um, wow, very uh, pro- kind of a household name at that mm-hmm. time. Yeah.
1: We. Forgive me, but I know we've talked about this before. But we have to talk about some of your history when you were in high school. A lot of graduates have just done that; they've graduated and they're thinking about their future. Did you think this was going to be what you would be I doing to with your life? I went to music
5: school. I went to a music conservatory, the Eastman right. School of Music in Rochester, New York. Mm-hmm. I was a music composition major and a piano oh, you're minor.
1: A fabulous pianist.
5: And I learned was playing concertos and. Uh, Beethoven sonatas and Chopin scherzos and
4: mazurkas.
5: Yeah. Anyway, the uh, um, um, and then I had a little bit of a career in music, but then this and I had a career in real estate, which I still keep my real estate license. You never want to get rid of that. But uh, this kind of grew, didn't kind of it did grow. Yeah. some twenty five years ago, you got.
1: Did, did you get?
5: And what? I wasn't planning. I, I didn't think. It Just on its own, because I'd be performing a little bit for friends, and then somebody mm-hmm. would hire me from that event. And on its own, it kind of and I made a business out of it. And
1: but uh, you had to know you had some talent, some I, special. I,
5: I knew I had this ability. ability. Yes,
1: right. I mean even when you were a child, you knew that there right. was something special about you.
5: Uh, well, yeah. When uh, I think I've told this story on here before, my mom—I remember my mom lost her wedding ring one day, and I right. knew where that was. I had a picture in my mind. She found it there. And in school, my teacher misplaced some papers, and I told her where they were. And then I got in trouble because she thought I put them there. Oh, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> With- But the- my girlfriend in college was super good at this, and she and I would practice this over and over and over again. Um. So that's where I really
1: like reading each the other's minds.
0: Yeah, with uh, music yeah. And, and real estate and all those other things in your background. What was the point where you decided, okay, mentalist? Is going to be the main deal? Was it a gig? Was it a series of gigs? How did that happen? First
5: of all, I've always been comfortable. You've talked to other performers, entertainers. I'm more comfortable facing the audience than I am being on the in the audience facing the stage. Something about it. I just love mm-hmm. entertaining. And it's not okay. an ego thing. I just mm-hmm. I look into all their eyes and say, I want to make this person have a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. It's about making something incredible for them or bringing back the magic that may have they may have lost. You know, when you're, you're a kid, you think certain things are magical, and along the way, you you lose it. So,
1: but you're such a fabulous musician; you could have continued on as a professional well, musician. Well, you know the
5: music business as well as anyone. It's well, very, yeah, very, very different. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah.
1: Right. So when you realize so, you had this other talent, uh, I mean,
5: and this is difficult too, but somehow this is the thing that that stuck. And uh, wow, and I, but I, I practice my music every day. I. Write music every day. I yeah. still f- devote myself to it. And
1: share some of your music on your Facebook page, which is just yeah. delightful, because yeah, the yeah. camera is overhead, and we can actually see your hands
0: oh, while so
5: you're,
1: you're playing piano. Mm-hmm.
5: So you've been uh, stalking my yeah, Facebook page. I have joking? been,
1: and, yes. No.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know if, if we've ever asked you this. Have you ever performed over in Europe?
5: I have, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've performed in 45 of the 50 states here in our country, every major city of Canada, a lot of Western wow. Europe. Never Eastern Europe or, or Asia though. So and um, and in the Caribbean, I have clients who hire me down for things in the okay. Caribbean side. for private shows. Private shows, yeah, yeah. yeah. There wow. was a yacht regatta in the British Virgin Islands that I did for several years. That was <laughs> probably said, my really? favorite gig of all. I was going to
1: say um, sailor that he is. He went really. I'm not sure if I want to be hanging out on a yacht. Yeah. Doing no, but like these yeah. were
5: like these were like 150 foot, 200 foot yachts. Uh, I this bet. was the, this yeah. was like. Ridiculous. The floating
1: hotel And I right? was the
5: entertainment One of the nights wow. But they let They said But stay for t- t- Eight or ten days Don't you, We just want to <laughs> Yeah throw me in that briar patch. It was like okay <laughs> Yeah really
4: Wow Wow
1: well, Sydney, when you are doing your show at um, Carnival, we mentioned that there's a lovely lady in the ad. So when people go to the oh, Facebook page, yeah. she's also performing with you, right?
5: right? So I like to switch things up a little bit. And her name is Kellen Facina. She's a wonderful vocalist. Kellen, and Kellen, a K e l l e n. Nice. Okay. And uh, when I first met her three years ago, I actually got the name right. Most people say Ellen. No, uh-huh. she, she gets all upset about that. Yeah. But it's Kellen but I heard the name correctly and spelled it correctly. you're the mentalist, So we all. became friends immediately. Uh, <laughs> right? But anyway, yeah, so she's in the show, and uh, she's part of the music segment. Because I do a thing called music mind reading, where mm-hmm. people in the audience think of songs, mm-hmm. and I sense the songs in their mind, and then I play them on the piano.
1: And you've done that for us on New Year's Eve I here in the studio. I did that a few years
5: ago on New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah. sometime I'll bring and the we piano were, back. We and we
1: we'll were not that. drinking, and we all were freaked out by the <laughs> fact.
0: Well, if I, yeah. I remember how much you, you freaked Ronnie Rice out.
1: Oh, yes, right. he
0: was
5: just. I love Ronnie.
1: <laughs> Remember when Ronnie says, "I'm moving down to the other end because I'm scared yeah. of
5: him." <laughs> <laughs> because
1: you were there are so yeah. many. I
5: think we had Corky Siegel in here we too. Did. Yes, we yes, did.
1: Yes. Yeah. yes, but with the thousands of song possibilities, it's not like you say, pick a kids song or pick a romantic song. You say, just pick a song. That's it. Yeah, and that's what they right. were doing, and yeah. it was wild.
5: Yeah, but sh- but Kellen will be singing for part of the show. Uh, Segment in the middle of the show as well So we have a Multimedia event, so to speak Sidney Friedman, the musical
0: medalist Is in the studio with us
1: He'll make you believe A lot of people are reacting to the picture that we put up This was a picture of our engineer Bob Fukuda Who was asked to draw a picture And put it in an envelope, seal it up and then he sat down next to Sidney Friedman, the mentalist Sidney Friedman, and then Sydney just took out his pad of paper and he drew what he thought Bob had drawn, and um, the pictures up there. A lot of people doing the old emoticon of what? Yep. <laughs> really?
0: Go to facebook dot com slash Steve and Johnny Show, and you can see the picture.
1: Yep. And
0: okay. And trust us, this was legit.
1: Well, you can tell by the look on their face, They're like even, even Sydney was pleasantly surprised. They're like, "Wow, okay, I did well, there." Uh, we said before we took the news break, man and a woman, We've had only men call in to be contestants with Sydney. I don't know what that means. The have, women
5: are afraid of me. I
1: was going to say that you scared
5: the women away. <laughs> scared them off.
1: But it's no, okay. No. We can use two guys. Sure. All right. That's good. great. Because yeah. we have a couple of guys that were quick to call in. In fact, we had quite a few guys that wanted to jump in. Uh, Paul and Bruce are going to be our contestants. Oh, I call them that instead of victims. Is that there okay? There you go. All contestants.
5: Right. <laughs> Hello, Paul. Hello, Bruce. Hey, guys. Hi, guys. Uh, paul where uh, you
0: yes. paul where are you calling from paul ohio
1: oh ohio ohio okay yes. Oh, great All what right.
0: what part of ohio
6: uh delta ohio well great
5: is, uh, uh west of toledo
0: okay uh-huh. and uh, Bruce where are you calling from
6: I'm in Skokie. Okay. okay. Yeah, long know. distance. Okay. There you
5: go. We know
1: that well. All right.
5: <laughs> the two most interesting cities in America, <laughs> Toledo and Skokie.
1: All right, Sydney. what are you going to do Bo- with these guys?
5: Paul and Bruce make them interesting. That's that's what that's I That's it. That's it, right? So anyway, let's try this. Uh, I've got uh, – uh, Steve and Johnny can yes. describe it for you, but I'm holding a, a, a piece of – cardboard that has a message inside it and it's sealed up with a gold seal at the top correct
1: i'm going to take a picture of that there we are here and yeah.
5: they will and i'm holding it and there's a message inside and, and bob to, bob is in the studio with us too and bob he's watching you, you can Cario. confirm this <laughs> right and i got a little pencil that i'll put out on the paper on the table okay and uh let's see we have paul and bruce who should go first Who should go second let me think about this Uh, So Paul's in Ohio and Bruce is in Skokie. let me think who would be right. Let's see. Actually, we'll start with Paul first and then Bruce second. All right? And I'm glad you had a little interview with them so I could hear their voices. I'm getting a little impression. I'm going to write something on the back of this message here. On the outside of the sealed message here. Mm -hmm. And I wrote that down. I leave the pencil there, and I'm going to leave this right here. He's
1: holding it over his head. Way
5: over my head, Mm -hmm. so nothing can happen to it. Right. And uh, we'll start with Paul. Bruce, you'll be second. Paul, call out any random number from 1 to 100. Just shout it out. 1 to 100, 62. Okay. And then, Bruce, would you call out a number from 1 to 100? 77. Seventy-seven, very good. The number that I wrote down was actually a six, seventy-six. Oh. Now, is it very clearly a seventy-six? It's a seventy-six. Johnny? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is. But right. It is. All right. Okay. So who? Uh, so Bruce, you were closest. You said seventy-seven, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And Paul, you had said sixty-two, right? Right. Yeah. And actually, Paul, you were first thinking low, like in the single digits, like three or maybe even thirteen, somewhere around there. And then you switched, right? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. But anyway, Bruce, you were closest. You said 77. I have 76. I'm going to open this up. Okay. And,
4: and I'll show you what's seal. in so
5: breaking the seal here. Sound effects. Put it right there okay. And rip it open. And inside it says, I predict. The second person will be closest to the target number. They'll be off by exactly one.
1: One number!
5: The second person will be closest to the target number. They'll be oh, off by exactly oh one. Oh,
1: my Paul and God.
5: Bruce, I don't know about you
0: guys, but we're freaked out
5: right now.
1: Oh, my gosh. I'm taking a picture of that. Hold that up. Off by one, because Bruce, you said 77, he wrote down 76 on the back of the paper, and there it is printed and signed, and it was sealed. He brought this in in his backpack. You can keep that. Oh, my gosh.
5: Does, there we go. Does he there. give lessons? <laughs> <laughs> Great question. I actually do teach this, so uh, people do come to Well, you have your,
1: a best-selling book on this whole
5: subject about yeah, your Yeah, it's mind. called Your Mind Knows More Than You Do. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's actually out of print, though. You can find a few copies on Amazon. Or if you go to my website, sydneyfriedman.com, and send me a message, I can tell you how to get a That's copy.
6: crazy. Soon. Well, well I've, got,
7: I've got three kids, and they all have degrees. So that means they know all everything oh well there you go <laughs> and, and i bring stuff like this up uh-huh. oh no 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 way no way you know
5: really?
7: I, I talk and, and i'm you know i think i don't know i've had things happen to me where i was right on mm-hmm. i get a feeling one time mm-hmm. i walked into a bathroom at work and i had this feeling it's the last time i'm going to see the bathroom Hmm. And I thought, well, why would that happen? I've only been here a few months, and I'm in the middle of a project. That day I got fired. <gasps> oh,
5: my wow. gosh.
7: But what? I can't turn it on and off. <laughs> right. Yeah. What yeah. a weird feeling, I've though, had, the bathroom. Yeah,
5: so that's the thing about turning it on and off. I What Steve and Johnny and you are experiencing now is uh, an hour of me on the radio, but I spent oh about an hour before this getting myself, in tune, so to speak.
0: In the zone.
1: In the right. zone,
5: right. Mm-hmm. Just like any athlete would get in the zone. No pitcher just well, goes out onto the uh, mound yeah. and starts pitching. Exactly. He has to, there's a whole preparation that he does.
0: But, but, but Sidney, so. are, are, there, are there times when someone will be in a particular frame of mind that will allow them to perceive something? And I'll tell you where I'm going with this. Years ago, in the 60s, my grandmother had just passed away. I was dating a girl, went over to her house. Her dad, healthy man, worked at the steel mill. He walked in. I had a feeling he was going to die. Oh, my gosh. Within the next week, he had a heart attack, and he died.
1: And he wasn't an old man, either.
0: No, he was a healthy man. So my point is... Was I able to get that because my mind was still in the place my grandmother had just passed away? I was kind of on that plane. Does that at all play into this kind of thing?
5: Yeah, Uh, it's possible that you were sent more sensitive to Mm -hmm. to that type of thing. Yeah, it's possible, but I can't say for sure. Well, I've I've never been able to. anticipate death <laughs> so thankfully i don't want to know yes. but uh but that's an interesting very interesting experience yeah. well the, y- same with our caller with his experience with, that's
1: weird work, yeah. when you walk in the bathroom of yeah. all places you feel like that's the last time you're going to see it right. that is really right right profound. But it,
7: it just came to me like somebody told me but there was nobody there to tell me yeah right. and yeah. then when i got fired i thought what the
1: yeah <laughs> right. really
7: oh, wow wow i didn't see that coming well, well, I tell you well, what. Did,
1: uh, for your for your kids' sake, you can show them the pictures and say you were involved in this right, little experiment yeah. on the yeah, radio. Right, right. Okay, it's all yeah. right. thank you guys okay, both. Thanks. It's pleasure to talk to you, Paul and Bruce. Thanks a lot.
0: Thanks for for playing along. But uh,
1: and, and forgive me because you'll find that the picture is kind of. I was I was kind of shook up. So when I took the picture, it's like. Sydney's cut in half
5: <laughs> because oh, I was like
1: so excited. And you hate
5: when that happens, Sydney. <laughs> was it the good half I opened? It... it
1: was the good half, good yes.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. We're going to take a quick break. Sydney Friedman is our guest. You can see him. Uh, He's going to be in Vegas for three shows, but then he's going to be back here on Wednesday, the 21st of June. That's his coming Wednesday at the Alley of Carnival. And the show is uh, just a full show of telepathy and music and the secrets of how it's done. That's what Sydney's all about. No curtains and no uh, crazy boxes with stuff hidden in them. He just walks out there in a... Probably a fabulous jacket <laughs> and uh, it's for a full night of entertainment at Carnival and doors open at 6:30 and you can get a bite to eat and you can get a beverage and it's going to be a full evening on a Wednesday night so stay with us
0: And again go to uh, sydneyfriedman.com or sydneysecrets.com or do a search for Sydney Friedman online. And you will find some incredible stuff. You're on Facebook, you're on Twitter and all
5: the ships at sea. I don't do Twitter, but Instagram. The musical okay. mentalist yes, is my Instagram. Yes, yes, yes.
1: You know, I just realized that we have a mutual friend and that's how we found out about you. Uh,
5: Lisa. Lisa McCloud. Lisa McClavery. yeah. Yes. She's yeah. made a big career as share.
1: Yes. Have you seen <laughs> She her does her share
5: better than share? It's She's amazing.
1: He's truly amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yes. In fact, uh, coming up after uh, 11 o'clock, we're going to be talking to a local lady who is kind of following in uh, Lisa's uh, footsteps, but she is performing as Olivia Newton-John, and she was before Olivia passed away. And uh, she has an amazing Annie Aiello. Show. Yeah, Annie Aiello. Will oh, join Annie, us. i heard of her. Yeah. yeah. Good friends She's with wonderful. Lisa. Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah. There you
0: go. So so tonight's show is brought to you by Six Degrees of Lisa, Lisa McLaurie. McLaurie.
1: Well, You know, what? again, you guys, she's got a bunch of shows coming up locally. She's going to be at Ron Onesti's place at the Des Plaines Theater, mm-hmm. and she's going to be out in St. Charles at the theater there in um, late July. Yeah. And seriously... Truly
5: great talent, great voice. Unbelievable. Great, and great person. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, she, Vegas quality, yeah. really, with the costumes and the whole works. Okay,
0: yeah. Every time uh, we have you in the studio you mystify us who <laughs> mystifies you what what uh, person in this profession oh, my. Everything have you seen and say – to me
5: the whole world is magical i mean and you got to think we we hear the news and we hear all the bad stuff yeah. but we're the world is actually there's it's it's a remarkable world especially these days yeah the medical the, the medical science i mean people lived in pain most of their mm-hmm. life up until the last you know, few decades. You know, they're able but, to solve but, stuff. But, but in terms of
0: in terms of so, people
5: in your field, mentalists, uh, oh, well, who, who who knocks you? Out? Who do you say? Wow, that was cool. Yeah, there's a fellow, and the name isn't so familiar here, but he's a household name in in Great Britain. is uh, Darren Brown is his name. Oh yes, and he's. <coughs> He's had every six months he comes out with a television special there. Yes. Everybody he's mentioned that name, it's just like Taylor Swift here. Yeah. Everybody okay. knows who that is. Yeah. Um he's and a young he's guy. Had, he came here and did a Broadway show and I went there to see it. And, right. Um, and I've met him. We've we've hung out and so forth. But he's always mystifies me. Mm-hmm. So yeah,
1: I think we were at a magic show in Chicago. The last magic show we saw, and you were there too because I posted a picture and you said I'm three uh, three rows in front of you to the left. I can't recall oh, this guy.
0: What was the theater? Uh, it was a. Oh. It was
1: a great. Um, and it was like a Vegas show, and oh, I'm sorry, I even mentioned it. It
0: was uh, one of the downtown theaters, uh, a gorgeous and, theater. And we took a picture. We were like, like in this balcony. Row. Mm-hmm. Oh, was it The Illusionist? Yes. Yes. It was. Thank yes. you. Right.
5: It, where they had a, there was an escape artist, there was a magician, yes. yeah. a mentalist. And the mentalist in that one was Colin Cloud, who right. has yes. a, a full-time Vegas show. Right, yeah. Right. Oh, right. wow. Yeah, we were, right. That was a few years back, right?
1: Uh, we used to have um, a, a wonderful um, magician on the show. And again, people would say, how can you do magic on the radio? And um, he was... He was pretty great. Um, Blackstone.
5: Blackstone. Blackstone Jr. Harry Blackstone Jr. Jr. I, yeah, yeah. I, I saw him way back in the day when the Playboy Club was open. They had a mm-hmm. a little theater in there and That's I saw right. him perform. Yeah.
4: perform did,
0: yeah. did I ever tell you the newspaper thing that, uh, that he did with me? No, no. This was at another radio station and had him on the air one week. It was promoting that he was going to be in town the next week. Okay. That week, There was another magician that was in the studio. He told that magician something. That magician wrote it down on a piece of paper, sealed envelope, gave me the envelope. I kept it for that week. Next week, Saturday night, Blackstone's on with me. It was about um, one in the morning. The morning papers had come out. He said, okay. Okay. Open up the envelope. And the envelope had not left my hands. What was written on it was the headline of that morning's Chicago Tribune. Wow. (laughs) To this day, I have no clue, because it didn't go away from me that how the heck...
1: And how do you predict the Tribune headline? But of course, then again, I could say, how do you was predict... Was the
5: headline, Steve and Johnny reached number one in the
1: ratings?
5: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, it's news! But
1: then again, I could say, how do you predict um, Oscar winners? And you don't even see the movies, right. yet you have like this incredible track record. Isn't it like an 85% correct uh, prediction? Yeah, it's
5: it, a high 80s. It yeah. was in the 90s, but I've slipped a little bit in recent years. But yeah, in the high 80s.
1: That's pretty impressive, yeah. too. And you did well this year, as I recall. I did, yeah. Because you were on with us just before the yeah, Oscars, yeah, yeah. and you're saying, this is not a, a one that people are thinking is going to go anywhere, and it won, because we talked about it mm-hmm. that night on yeah. the air. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. So, so you- we talked about you getting in the zone before you come in. Yeah. Before you do a show like you're going to do in Vegas, do, do they... Say Sydney, do whatever you want to do. I mean, how how do you narrow it down to say I'm going to do an hour show? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, what's
5: yeah? So the the things I'm doing in Vegas are, are actually for a corporate event. Okay, uh, three corporate events actually. But uh, so in the, that instance, I'm I'm incorporating their message and their theme and their oh. whole mm-hmm. their mission and their goals and their the whole. So you do a lot of homework. Yeah, so it's a lot of homework and a lot yeah. of re scripting, and so it all fits into what. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's uh, right.
1: But when you're doing something like at carnival, a lot carnival, it's a little more wide open. It's
5: more wide open, and I it almost. It's almost like improv. I don't. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I kind of. I, I know certain segments, but then in between, it can go all different ways depending on the audience. I would
1: imagine, depending yeah. upon uh, your experience, even getting to the venue, if you have a like a stressful experience, it might right. affect what happens to you when you get yeah. there.
5: Well, I, the day of, I have it all planned out about what I'm going to do, and there there can be stresses that occur. Yeah. But yeah, but I I'm very organized about what I do to lead up to that moment. <sighs> Sort of like a, a great free throw shooter in basketball, you see they have a certain routine as they yeah. walk up to the free throw line and they bounce the ball three times and, right. they, and so. Do, do you do what routine. we've heard a lot of performers do?
0: Sometimes the night before they'll kind of, as they're falling asleep, they'll be thinking
5: their way right. through Right. People call the talk about pre-visualization. I don't believe in that. I believe in pre-sensualization, using all five senses, not just visualizing. Hmm. And I tell people to do that with their life, too. If you want something to happen, don't just visualize it happen. You have to hear it. You have to taste it. You have to smell what the room would be like when wow. it's happening. Um, feel whatever you can so possibly immerse feel. So like Feel this desk. Whatever, yeah. Immerse yourself in all five senses and imagine yourself there as if, imagine the change without it seeming strange. And then the change will exchange with the present. Wow. So I, huh. Yes.
1: I, I wish so, that would fit on a t-shirt. <laughs> I
5: think yeah. That's a little It's a much. pretty big t-shirt. <laughs> well, I yeah, like yeah. that. But yeah, it's pre-visualization, pre-sensualization as opposed to pre-visualization. pre-visualization. The other thing I call what I do, you know, we've heard about AI, artificial yeah. intelligence. Yeah. I call my, what I do is iI. Intuitional intelligence. <laughs> okay, go. good. Right. I
1: like that. I like as that. opposed
5: to what the Kardashians do, which is superficial intelligence. But that's a different st-
1: now mm. you're firing on all cylinders. What, what you
5: guys do is real intelligence, but, but, no. <laughs> <laughs> but mine is intuitional intelligence. I, right. I, I love that. <laughs> there
1: you go. As always, Sydney, it's yeah. just a joy to have you in the studio with us.
0: And before we uh, let you get out of here, again, blatant plug for anybody who wants to uh, see you. They uh, yeah,
5: there's still a few tickets left, and it's uh, this Wednesday night. Uh, june 21st at carnival a secret room in the back called the alley and it's the tickets are available at sydneysecrets.com that's s-i-d-n-e-y secrets.com awesome. hope to see you there
1: thank you so much sydney gosh i'm I'm grinning there are pictures that i've yeah. I've documented the two go things. to our
0: facebook page and yeah. you can you can see some of the pictures <laughs> it's a <sighs>
1: thank you so much it's, it's a pleasure a
0: pleasure There is a magic theme going throughout the show tonight, Uh, and uh, we are, I think about 90% of the people listening right now think, oh yeah, they're they're just playing Olivia Mm Newton-John. Au contraire, mon ami.
1: I know. It's a really, really great song, and it's done so well by our guest, who does a show, Paying tribute to Olivia Newton-John She's a local gal She's Annie Aiello Annie, how are you tonight? Hey Annie Fantastic, how are you guys? Great, great I. It's so funny When we're listening to Magic We're listening to you sing the song <laughs> Steve looks at me like I, "Yeah, We don't want to interrupt it We want to keep letting it play you you are so you are so good. You really are. And it's exciting because coming up next weekend, a week from tomorrow, on the twenty fifth, you have a homecoming concert, right? That is correct. That is correct. My hometown, Arlington
8: Heights, at the metropolis. So really excited about it. I don't know I what we have a few tickets left.
1: I don't know where I've been, but I did not know anything about the Metropolis. And when I found out about your show there, I looked it up. It's a beautiful theater. Hmm.
8: You know, I grew up. Uh, I grew up in Arlington Heights when it was kind of a small town, and uh, you know, I remember walking downtown in downtown Arlington Heights, and the buildings were all pretty much like one level or maybe two stories tall, and then you know. The Metropolis. I think they built it in two thousand, mm-hmm. and you know, I was, I was, I, I, I was well on my way to adulthood at that point. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, it, it, it really has the town itself has really just boomed, and and yeah, the Metropolis is really a, a center part of it, and it's just a beautiful place. So I'm really honored to be there.
0: Sure. Well, how cool for you to to be performing uh, at the Metropolis. But I want to back up for people who are new to our conversations. uh, You were paying tribute to Olivia Newton-John for a long, long time. You you were doing the show before we sadly lost Olivia. And you really have honed this uh, to such a fine... It's, it's an impersonation but it is a tribute uh, and and that takes a whole lot of work how, how did you you just kind of immersed yourself in this didn't you
8: well you know speaking of, of growing up in, in you know downtown Arlington Heights I mean I it, it has such good memories and and honestly my my love for living in John stems from my childhood and I grew up uh, loving her music. My my parents brought home a, a vinyl album. It was uh uh I honestly love you or Have You Never Been Mellow was oh. the was the album and mm-hmm. um I remember putting that on when I was seven years old and you know we, we had those those big <laughs> record players in our house <laughs> mm-hmm. with the kind that the lid, you know, you lift up the lid. But uh I just listened over and over to her music, and I became a huge fan of of her of her voice and of her her essence and of her just her heart. She seems to be a, you know a beautiful woman. I've met her twice in my life, and and um, but I studied I studied her voice, and she was honestly probably the greatest vocal influence in my in my life, and. Uh, you know, I, I began singing, uh, professionally in my twenties and Olivia was always there. She was always a part of my, of, of my voice and wherever I went, whether it was nonprofit work or corporate work, I was always, you know, tapping into sort of her, her sound and, um, again, always followed her life. And, and in 2017, I went and saw her at the Genesee Theater and I had seen her, gosh, when I was, Uh, a teenager I was 13 I saw her I saw her in concert she did the Let's Get Physical tour Mm -hmm. (laughs) at Poplar Creek in uh, in Schaumburg I think and um, I saw her one other time downtown Chicago And then uh, the last time I saw her in concert was at the Genesee Theater in 2017, and she had announced that she had cancer for the third time. And she had taken a reprieve. She was not able to tour uh, on the scheduled date, and she rescheduled it and came back and finished up her tour, even though she was sick and not feeling well. And it was then that was 2017 that I made a decision in my mind that I really wanted to tribute her music. And I wasn't sure then, you know, when it would happen, how it would happen, but I knew that I wanted to, to do it because I just loved her, her songs and all of her music. And so many people do. And, uh, so yeah, it was during COVID that I, uh, many of my musician friends were unemployed. And so we started on this journey of just charting and trying to really stay true to the essence of her music and the, the song arrangements. And we came up with about 20 songs that we had finished and we started recording YouTube videos um, prior to, uh, you know, theaters opening up. And theaters opened up in 2021, I think it was like middle of 2021. And and it wasn't until about, you know, the beginning, the beginning of 2022 that I I really had the show kind of put together. And I I heard you mention Lisa McClowry. And of course, she was a huge mentor to Mm -hmm. me as well. So uh, she helped me learn how to to become a tribute artist in the midst of all of it, not just a vocalist. So that's, that's that's sort of the
0: quick history for you, Steve. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> and I know that this is we've covered some of this ground with our previous conversation. But for people who are new to our to our conversations, that there is a difference between just. Doing an impersonation of someone and being a tribute artist. As a tribute artist you really kind of immerse yourself much more into the the persona of the person whose music you're performing.
1: All the way down to the costumes, right, Annie? That's correct. Right. So that's where Lisa came in. You know, I um
8: I remember wanting to learn how to become you know, I, I was I've been singing for most of my adult life, but I had never Clearly, you know, tried to to tribute somebody and to do it really well. I, I needed to learn how. And so, literally, I started asking some of my musician friends, and, and I knew of Lisa, but I had never really met her formally. She says we met, and i am not sure if we did. I think she, uh, anyway. She says she says we met, <laughs> <laughs> but we were friends, um, you know, just through other people we had known of each other. We had known of our music, um, and uh, so I had heard that she was in Illinois uh, from Vegas, as you said earlier, Johnny. Um, she was in Vegas doing a uh, residency there, and she had come to uh, to Illinois to do a share show. And I thought, okay, here is an opportunity for me to see somebody locally who is doing this super well at the highest of levels. And if, if she'd be willing to just let me observe, you know, maybe I could take something from it and mm-hmm. and grow my own show. Well, not only was Lisa incredibly gracious, uh, you know, she was more than happy to. Be a, a resource for me as I was building the show. And, um, so she was always there for questioning. And basically, you know, she, she ended up, um, you know, becoming a mentor and, and a manager of sorts to me. Mm-hmm. And so throughout the year that I was developing this show, she was the one that brought me out to Vegas. We ended up, uh, connecting with, um, one of Bob Mackey's costume uh, assistant Uh who who was just fantastic and he actually uh created one of my costumes um in the very essence and almost the exact colors and fabrics that olivia had um from the 1970s there was another woman um who who styled olivia when olivia had a stint in vegas um she had a i think it was a I can't remember if it was three years or three months, but but she had a stint in vegas uh, she was helping out the Osman family mm-hmm. um for a time and the woman that that clothed Olivia during that time frame um, also put together some of my other costumes and so Lisa just resourced wow. resourced me with people that I never could have imagined I would have had the opportunity to do uh, you know otherwise and yeah. you know I would have gone to you know somewhere down on Michigan Avenue to <laughs> close <laughs>
1: Still, or, you know, or staying up late at night sewing, You would be sewing sequins <laughs> On your headband To get physical um, we're, we're talking no, with we Annie Aiello is our guest uh, The show that we're talking about Is Always Olivia An Olivia Newton-John tribute At the Metropolis A week from tomorrow The Metropolis Performing Arts Center And as Annie said at the outset There are a couple of uh, tickets available You really If you're an Olivia fan You, you absolutely have to see the show
0: Olivia newton John tribute show always Olivia always Olivia and she's uh, going to be performing at the Metropolis theater and the blatant plug light just went on Annie so uh, if people would like to go and see you and uh, how do they get tickets where do they go what do they do
6: at
8: tribute.com we have they just go to the events tab Uh, it'll bring them right down to the Metropolis uh, website where they can go and, and grab tickets there. And uh, there's a few left. Um, I think there's maybe one long row, and that's
1: about it. <laughs> mm, that's <laughs> so, great. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah, yeah, so and and
0: you, you cut out for a second there. So the website is dot .com.
1: Mm-hmm. That's correct. Was that Thomas Linsk performing with you? That is Thomas Linsk, yes. he's he's my He's my Danny Zuko. Yeah, well, oh, he's another Chicago treasure. He, uh, we're so lucky yes. to have him around here at the redhead, and just, yeah. uh, and, and you're right. He's your Danny, and I've got to say, back to your costumes. My absolute favorite Olivia Newton John costume that you wear is the leathers from <laughs> from Greece. I mean, you look fantastic in those black pants and those red platform heels. Unbelievable lady.
0: And Annie, I am a very happily married man, but I will say. You wear it well.
8: <laughs> you do. Well, I wish I could say I had. I wish I could say I had the long legs that Olivia Newton-John has. I'm only five two. So. Well, well, I think you're. You're. Aren't
1: you about her same size?
8: Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not a, a, a large individual, but I, I, uh, I. I'm definitely a lot shorter than she is.
1: <laughs> really, <laughs> so. I did not realize that. And and yeah. also a blonde for people who have not seen you on on Facebook or too. not seen you performing. You're also a blonde and yes. you have this fabulous smile like her. I mean, it's it's just it's like you were destined to do this tribute show i mean it's absolutely I'm not
8: australian that's true, but I... <laughs> it's true. yes we, that's... Do, we do we do our best at doing a, a bit of an aussie uh, uh interpretation through
1: some of the show so i want to hold you though on costumes how in the world do you make those costume changes yeah so that's
8: another thing that i had to learn when i was in vegas so uh it was a crash course in uh, in, in tribute world um, <laughs> when I went out to Vegas to yeah. see Lisa. So, so Lisa, uh, you know, a consummate professional, and of course, you know, she's been in this tribute world a lot longer than I have. But um, she she's of the belief that that you need to do a ninety second or less costume change. Wow. And so that's that's a minute thirty. You know, and we're yeah. we're talking a minute and thirty seconds. And if if it's past that. it's, it's it's long. And so, you know, either you have to, you know, you talked about magic, Steve. Um, so there's there's the art of having properly timed songs that maybe you can leave the stage a little bit earlier where there's a little bit more of a difficult costume change. So, for example, the, the Grease costume has, you know, the leather pants, which you have to peel off. Mm-hmm. But, um, the the wig, which is more or less, you know, glued to my head. um <laughs> But, uh, you know, so getting out of that costume and into another one is a little bit trickier than other ones. And so you have to give it a little bit more time. And so uh, this coming up show, you know, there's a song in between that gives me a little bit of breathing room, you know, about four minutes, which Mm -hmm. still feels fast to me. But um, so, yeah, I mean, it's an art uh, that you have to learn and you just got to not have fear and you just got to trust. I mean, it is a huge act of trust, uh, you know, going backstage. And, and so, um, you know, I watched Lisa in Vegas do this and she showed me how to do it. And I have somebody that helped me backstage and, and, um, you know, fortunately you get pretty up close and personal, but, (laughs) um, you know, you're really grateful for those people and you trust them. And, um, you know, you run out, you run out and you, you learn to really appreciate what it means to truly, you know, perform. Um, ah. You know, I've been a singer most of my life. I wouldn't say I've been a performer most of my life. I've I've sung. I don't know if I've always performed, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've been in musicals and things like that. But this is truly, it's, it's a combination of acting, singing, you know, uh, and, and trusting.
0: Well, I want to take you back to something you said. You said... The the costume change, you have to get a little breathing room and talk about breathing room, because if you've got 90 seconds, you as a vocalist, do you have to do something so that when you are back on stage... You're not out of breath, and you are prepared to sing. Uh, forget the costume change. I mean, are you vocally? Are there any exercises or anything you have to do to make sure? Okay,
2: I just did all that, but I'll, I, I, I'm going to sing. I honestly love you. I honestly love you.
8: Yeah, I mean, so um, fortunately, there's uh, you know an intro or a prelude before you know it might be a verse course, or it might be a, a a long intro before you have to actually start singing. But, um, you know, you practice this. So practice makes perfect. Right. And, and so, you know, the week before a show, I'm typically rehearsing with my band and my team. And so we've done this, we've, we've practiced it. So it's not like, um, it's the first time I've done it and you're panicking and therefore you're breathing quicker. So it's, mm-hmm. it's something that mm-hmm. you do, even though it's quick, you have a level of ease about it, and you have to stay calm. Um, now, there's moments where things can go wrong, and, uh, you know, this hasn't happened yet to me, but, uh, you know, Lisa, again, has has prepared me. If you're not ready and your costume's not on or fully on, you just start singing from the dressing room. I mean, you just got
2: to sing. Oh, I <laughs> really?
8: love that. It all must go on. I mean, yeah. It all must go on. So. You you just start singing and you 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 make it through and there's mm-hmm. just a it's just a level of, of confidence that you need to have and so remaining calm is important and having a level of confidence in what you're doing and and truly I mean it, it is a trust uh, you know Pink says it well it's a trust fall and mm-hmm. there is a sense of trusting the person that you're with that that all will go well and you have to be prepared and you've got everything in front of you and so it, it is. Um, I only fortunately I have five costume changes I have two in the front in the front end and three on the back end so it's not insanity and mm-hmm. I have about you know two to three songs in between and again you know I've built enough time to to make those changes doable <laughs> um, so I'm not I'm not focused on that I'm focused just on on getting back out there really right you right.
1: Know? We wanted you to tell some of the secrets of behind the scenes so people can really appreciate what happens when you hit the stage as Olivia Newton-John.
0: She's going to be uh, uh, telling you more about that in a couple of minutes, but I, the last time we talked with her, I I had to play this song. I love this. This was part of your career before you started doing the Olivia Newton-John tributes. I want to make this song a hit record. I, I told you this last time. I could have heard Olivia doing that. Your voices are so similar. that I, I love that song.
8: Thank you very much. Yeah, I co-wrote that with uh, another Chicago friend of mine. His name's Chris Arnell. Chris Arnell is uh, he's a Park Ridge guide. And... Um, he writes for the Lego movies. He's just incredibly talented. He he, he writes songs from, for uh, you know soundtracks for for movies out in L.A. and um, I mean he's just a phenomenally gifted gentleman. And uh, I had a chance to, to work on a, on a few songs with him. One of them being Echo, and uh, I really like it too. And and you know we uh, I think we released that shortly before COVID and. So we really hadn't had a chance to really perform it live anywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I and then I went down the whole Olivia uh, route. So it, it, it hasn't gotten much playtime, to be quite honest with you,
0: Steve. Well, th- I will warn you, when you're in the studio with us, and that is going to happen, I'm going to request that you do that song when you're in the studio with us.
8: That would be fantastic. I would love to do that. That'd be great. I'll bring Chris down there, too. He'll, he'll, he'll knock it out of the park.
1: So we we need to spend some time and talk about uh, a real important part of what you do as your Olivia Newton-John tribute is Uh, recognizing the fact that Olivia was dedicated to raising awareness and raising funds to deal with breast cancer. And there's a a walk every October and that walk is something that she was really incredibly supportive of. And you've taken it on to say, you're going to do your part to see to it that you explain it to our listeners, how you want to support the walk. Yes.
8: Well, I think any one of us can relate to somebody in our immediate family, you know, friend group, our lives that have struggled with, journeyed with, and, uh, you know, battled cancer. And so, you know, in my particular family, my father passed away of cancer at 73. Uh, my brother-in-law passed away of a glioblastoma brain tumor at 53, um, many people in our lives die much too young or are struggling much too young um, with with cancer. And so, you know, this was a personal thing that, that touched me. And then just watching Olivia journey 30 years of her life, she was mm-hmm. diagnosed when she was 42. Uh, I believe a day after her father uh, passed from cancer, she was diagnosed with breast cancer at 42 and was very brave and obviously a huge spokesperson for um, living with and thriving with cancer and having a more positive you know, spin on it, so much so that she agreed to put her name um, on a uh, hospital down in a state-of-the-art hospital down in, in uh, Melbourne, Australia, where she's from, which uh, focuses primarily on research, wellness, and patient care. It's a very holistic approach and uh, this cancer center is doing all kinds of phenomenal research that benefits people around the world with cancer. And so um, I really have taken it upon myself. I, I personally want to give a percentage of every, every uh, concert that I do a percentage of those ticket sales back to the ONJ Cancer Wellness and Research Center um, so that Olivia's dream can stay alive through the context that I do, mm-hmm. she truly believed that um, there could be an end to cancer in in our lifetime, and and I would like to see that done, because I don't want anybody else to lose their parent at 73 or a brother-in-law at 53, and mm-hmm. so I personally really, really uh, um, am very passionate about it, and if you go to my website, again, always com, and go to donate, um, that QR code that's right there takes you directly to uh, the ONJ Cancer Wellness uh, landing page where we we are part of it. I'm part of a Chicago team called the Soul 7 that we are, our goal is to raise $10,000 before October eight, which is when the walk is, to give uh, back to the Cancer Center down there in Melbourne mm-hmm. so that we can keep, you know, research alive.
9: Right.
1: You're also, uh, you have a page on the walkforwellness.com site where people can see and, and also donate through that page. But again, if you go to the concert, there's a portion of your concert uh, ticket price that's going to go for supporting the cancer research that Olivia did.
0: Right. That's and pretty cool. That's right. And also, when okay. you go to uh, alwaysoliviatribute.com, uh, take a look at how far into the future Annie is booked? You you got things going on for for next year. You're going to be down in Florida. You're going to be all over the place. Good for you.
8: Thank you very much. Yeah, really excited about it, and just truly humbled, uh, you know, by it all, and and I'm just grateful that. Um, you know, gosh, I mean, uh, Olivia is such a beautiful person. I'm certainly not trying to be Olivia uh, in, in my day-to-day life, but uh, I, I, I want to carry on the essence of who she is and her music, of course, and, uh, of course, her passion for um, ridding our world of cancer. So really grateful that you guys have given me the opportunity to come and talk about it again. I'm very, very grateful and consider you guys friends. And, and, uh, <laughs>
0: well, yeah
1: their life. <laughs> well, now, we got to get partly personal, because your kids, yeah. their entire life knew you as a singer and a songwriter, but it's only been recently <laughs> that they've known you as Olivia Newton-John. How have they taken to this? And I mean, it's literally erupted. As Steve said, it's got you booked into next year. How are they mm-hmm. reacting to this? Are they saying,
0: this? who is this uh, woman that kidnapped my mom? <laughs>
1: Well, do you want the real answer, or do you want the... The real answer. The real
0: answer.
8: <laughs> well, okay, so, um, you know, clearly I have to wear wigs, and so my right. kids, they're 18 and 16, so they're totally social media savvy, uh, and so they love to take pictures of me when I have, like, just my wig cap on, and <laughs> um, and I, <laughs> and they threaten me to to go viral with these terrible pictures of me without, you know, without basically any hair on. Um, and so they just, they, they find it, uh, I think amusing. Uh Um, they're, they're also very supportive. They know how long I've loved Olivia Newton-John. I mean, they know from very, very young. I mean, I have pictures of me when I was seven. So they, they've seen me sing and, you know, write and, and obviously have, have a passion for following Olivia's life and all of, all of the things she's, uh, Been supporting throughout her life, but yeah, my kids are um, they're they're uh, what's the word? They're supportive, loving, and a little bit sassy about it all
1: (laughs) and tolerant. (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) Can I just tell you a quick wig story that I just read today? (laughs) An interview with Dolly Parton, who, of course, has been very honest about her wig wearing from. Does Dolly
0: wear a wig?
1: She has revealed, are you ready for this? There is a, a pocket in the back of all of her wigs, and that's where her mic battery pack goes. Wow. Because <laughs> her clothes are so fitted, there's no place to put a battery pack, so they put it in her wig. That's- <laughs> <laughs> that seems awful, doesn't it? Doesn't. No. It-
8: Lisa McClary is an expert at, at wigs. And I told her, I said, Lisa, if there's any way I can do this show without wigs, (laughs) she goes, sorry, Annie, you got to do it. You know, you got (laughs) to." So I'm trying to, I'm trying to convince her otherwise, but, um, you know, as the good mentor that she is, she's just like, look, this is a growth
1: area for you. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, now you have room to put your battery pack, though, in your clothes. You don't yeah. have to hide it in your wig. That's
8: a great idea, actually. I have to, Dolly, I'll have to steal that from you. That's a fantastic
1: idea. But I'm thinking <laughs> it, it's it, a battery pack is not light. I would feel like my I head know, would I, be out of balance, you know? <laughs> That was good. I was gonna just say that. That my next thought
8: was, and and how does she? How, you know, yeah. she has to turn it louder. Well, oh wait, wait, wait. You
0: know I what? Do you have any idea how many Dolly being out of balance puns I'm not going for right you now? You know what? You
1: read my you mind. Have no I, idea. I was literally thinking she's a master of staying in balance, right? <laughs> in so many. Anything ways. I was
0: going to say would have turned this place into a parking lot. So Stop quickly. It. <laughs>
1: Annie i l o is our guest. By the way, you can spell Annie's name because the listener wanted to know how do you spell it if they wanted to look you up. A-I-E-L-L-O, Annie I L O. The show is Always Olivia, an Olivia Newton-John tribute at the Metropolis Performing Arts Center. A lot of folks from the area, thumbs up to the Metropolis. They love that theater. It's in Arlington Heights. Her show is 3 o'clock a week from Sunday, the 25th of June. We'll come back for some closing thoughts with our guest, Annie Aiello, after this.
0: The show is the Always Olivia, Olivia Newton-John tribute. Go to alwaysoliviatribute.com. Annie, question, uh, I want to go back to what we were talking about a little earlier where uh, we were talking about some of the uh, things you have to do while you're making a, a change in the 90 seconds or, and all of that. I want to take you back to something that Johnny and I experienced when we first got into radio. And this is one of those things that will still show up in some of the, the radio forums. It's kind of a stress dream. Like, you used to go to sleep, and you'd wake up, and you'd be having this dream where you'd fallen asleep, you didn't have a record queued up, and you'd fallen asleep. <laughs> and And that was the stress. Do you have any stress dreams related to... I got to do all this stuff and I'm wigs and costumes and things. and
8: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, again, this is a new, it's a new art for me. I mean, again, I've been, I've been a singer for a long time and uh, I think for me, the way that I can prepare and, and be ready for something like this is, to rehearse it over and over, to really be ready in my head. I think it was Sydney that was saying, you know, you got to you got to feel the room. Mm-hmm. You got to picture yourself there. You really have to envision yourself in the space. And it's funny because uh, at, at this point, I've been local for the most part. I've I performed at in Desplaines. I performed in in Wisconsin. I performed in Arlington Heights and in St. Charles. So. I physically went to these places in advance and literally walked in these spaces so that I could have a sense of the room, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not going to always have that opportunity, and so for me, it's it's really being ready mentally so that I don't have those stress dreams.
7: <laughs> <laughs> okay. But,
8: um, you know, I, I, I haven't officially, you know, woken up in a panic, per se, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, for me, it is—it is, it is meant—it is—it's exactly what Sydney was saying. Uh, it, it really is envisioning yourself in that space on the stage, performing with people in the crowd. Um, you know, I've had the opportunity uh, several years ago. I, I sang over in Germany, and I had to sing in a different language, and I had to sing in front of ten thousand um, leaders, and it was probably the biggest audience I ever had, and I didn't have any any. Uh, uh, you know, support in terms of lyrics or anything like that. It was all out. I was out in front, solo, in front of 10,000 people. And wow. <laughs> it was, It. I mean, my knees were going up and down, literally. Yeah. I mean, I was nervous. And I get nervous for everything. And I think that I've learned over time that nerves aren't necessarily a bad thing. In fact, mm-hmm. it means that you care. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just managing those nerves. And it's breathing. It's really breathing. And... um So I keep telling myself to breathe, and Hmm. I try to, uh, you know, approach it in in such a way that I'm ready, I'm prepared mentally, I'm prepared spatially, um, and I just have to breathe through it. And if I panic, I can't breathe, you know? Sure. (laughs) To your point, you know, getting out on stage and and being out of breath. Hmm. Well, if I'm breathing properly when I'm changing those clothes and I'm not panicking and I'm not, you know it's not always perfect right and Mm -hmm. there's there's days where you you know i'm sure you've had radio moments where (laughs) things don't go right and you just oh that's never
0: ever happened
8: uh. (laughs) 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 but you know i think i think that it's also in those moments that's part of live theater too where people appreciate it and and Mm -hmm. something might go wrong like i remember actually watching olivia live and um she was sitting at a piano and she was doing a, a really beautiful ballad. I can't remember. I think it was Sam, maybe, and mm-hmm. her, um, uh, it was it was just a simple uh, piano only song. And um, actually, no, it was a song that her daughter Chloe wrote. And uh, so she was playing this beautiful song, and she had the microphone, um, and the microphone that was at the piano uh, just kept flapping down. Mm. <laughs> And she couldn't, she couldn't keep it, uh, she couldn't keep the microphone stationary, it kept flopping down. And so finally, she just stopped the song because it totally ruined the effect of the song. Mm -hmm. And, you know, tech guy had to come out and swap out the mic and, and she just, you know, made a thing of it. And this is what live theater is about. People appreciate that. Absolutely. you know, So I think at that point, you just got to
0: embrace it and start over. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of that kind of thing, this is not an Olivia Newton-John moment, but I will suggest that you go to YouTube, look up Taylor Swift in Chicago, mm. and what happened at the beginning of her performance. She's got wow. umpteen thousand 65, people. Sixty-five thousand people, yeah. And walks out ready to start singing, her mic doesn't work.
1: With her rhinestone microphone. Yep. Yeah.
0: And she doesn't get mad. She just kind of she kind of mimes things, and the audience understands what's going on, but she makes a joke out of it, and eventually right. a stagehand comes out and gives the microphone, and she makes some jokes. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get flustered. It's that kind of moment. You should take a look at it. it, it yeah. It's really cool. I'd love
8: to watch. It sounds great. Yeah. So... You know, it's, it, it's, it's experiencing so many of those things that at some point you just embrace it and you just say, okay, you know, at some point something's not going to go right and, and how am I going to respond in the moment and. You know, being real, I think, is is the way
1: to be. Absolutely. And I like to think that when you're on stage, you're in your happy place because you know what you're doing. You are so good at what you're doing. So you just kind of you soar with it. Just go with it. And before we run out of time, I want you to take a moment and give a shout out to your support that's going to be on stage with you for the show next Sunday at the Metropolis.
8: Yeah, so we ha- I, I have a fantastic band. Um, you know, they, uh, Tom Bataco and Chuck Schwartz and Tom Linsk and, um, gosh, uh, Michael Eisman, Ron Cook, anyway, these guys, they play with Oprah Winfrey, American Idol, Jersey Boys, Frankie sure. Avalon. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so they're just they're some of the best musicians in Chicago and they're dear friends of mine. And. We're going to be right here, right here in Arlington Heights. So come come and hear it. Uh, come and see it. And I hope you enjoy it and tell your friends about it because yeah. um, we want to just keep keep doing this and as long as you can.
1: Well, so. congratulations to you, Annie. And as always, it's a pleasure Thanks. to catch up with you. We're going to come see you sometime next Sunday. The show's at 3 in the afternoon. That's always yeah. Olivia at the Metropolis. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Take Thanks care, honey. having me. Really appreciate it, you guys. Have uh, a good night. You too. Bye-bye now. Is it my imagination, or did it just get smoky in here? Yeah.
2: (laughs) Can we just start up a jazz club if we're going to play music like this?
1: (laughs) Well, we're going to take you into many jazz clubs. Under the guise of film noir, with us tonight, I am tickled to death that we get to talk to a man that we watch every Sunday morning. When we get home from doing this show, we watch the recorded version of Noir Alley about three o'clock in the mornings when we tune yep. into Noir Alley, yep,
0: right now we are DVRing it, and 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 Eddie, I'm not not we're not saying this because you're on the show with us. We do this every, every single fun. week We while we're on the radio. Our DVR is set to record TCM, Noir Alley, and the Eddie we're talking about.
1: Is Eddie Muller, the guy that you see before and after the Noir Alley film Noir. Eddie, thank you for joining us tonight on WGN.
6: It is a pleasure. Johnny and Steve, thank you for having me. We should, I appreciate it very much.
1: We are blown away by your new book. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit, Noir Bar, Cocktails Inspired by the World of Film Noir. We've had some guys walk in here tonight. We said you're going to be on the show. Can I just look at the book?
0: Literally, every person that walked in and looked at the book said, Okay, I'm getting this.
1: Well, and the funny thing was, two of them said, This is my Father's Day gift to myself. How do you like that? <laughs>
6: Oh, that's perfect. It is perfect. That's fantastic. I I have to say, I love hearing that. Thank you.
1: Well... Eddie, I, I forgive me, because you you do all kinds of uh, speaking engagements, talking about film noir, but what we want to do is just start with some real basics, because I bet you every single person listening to us has a movie that is a film noir movie that's an absolute favorite of theirs, but maybe they don't realize that it falls into that category. So let's start with the basics. What distinguishes a movie as a film noir film?
6: Okay. Well, this is the $64 million question mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, but it they're crime movies from the mid-20th century primarily made in Hollywood. Uh, and they're filled with shadows and style and just dripping with sensuality and all, all the stuff we love, right? But, um, and likely Humphrey Bogart or Robert Mitchum are going to star in it. Um, but but that's, you know, it, there's a longer answer than that, but let's get us started by saying that's pretty much what it is. It's, Can it's I, from 1940 to the late 1950s uh, Hollywood crime movies that had a very, very specific visual style. Mm-hmm.
0: And is it fair to say that most of them have to be black and white?
6: I would say, without question, most of them are black and white, because color just wasn't that Mm -hmm. uh, prominent at that point. But there are a few examples of color noir, but in general, black and white is what everybody associates with the genre. Exactly.
1: I would say you also have to have snappy dialogue. I mean, that's a must. You know, we talk about slang today. Oh, my gosh. In noir, there's a whole language there that's just amazing. And also, one of the things I love about film noir is it makes me feel naughty because I end up rooting for the bad guy or gal. I'm like, this is wrong. Why do I feel this empathy for this person?
6: And every, wow. And every, you, you just hit on it. Yeah. I mean, you you nailed it 100% with that. That's why these films were um, so distinctive at the time, and what made them so really important in the development of American cinema is that the bad guys could be the protagonists mm-hmm. of the movies. That was incredibly important to, to this whole uh, style of filmmaking, and um, you nailed it, Johnny.
0: You nailed it. And every once in a while, there will be a surprise ending, like the movie that you showed about a week or so ago, The Sydney Green Street and Peter Lorre, The Verdict. And I wasn't expecting the ending, even as we got to the, the final pivotal scenes. I thought it was going to go away, it didn't go, and all of a sudden it was,
6: What? Yes, exactly. It's my case in point. I mean, not to spoil it for people who haven't seen the movie, but the protagonist, the guy who you thought was the good guy, turned out to be the culprit. Uh, very tricky. They aren't, o- they aren't always like that, but it is wonderful when they uh, pull that off, isn't it?
1: Well, you're talking to two people who just in this past week did our own little Sydney Green Street Peter Laurie <laughs> film-a-thon. We watched The Verdict and Three Strangers. And mm. those were their last two movies together, right?
6: Correct. Yes. The Verdict was the last one. Three Strangers, they shot just before it. And they're both fantastic films. Are they not the greatest screen team ever? Oh, oh boy. Well,
1: and I've I've got to be honest with you, having seen Maltese Falcon and Casablanca, their first movies, I, you know, Bogart takes all my attention away. And it's like Peter Lorre. I have this aversion to the, is it the Beast with Five Fingers? I, was, I think I was freaked out by that as a child, so I never wanted to see Peter Lorre again. And last week, I couldn't get enough of him after The Three Strangers and The Verdict.
0: And one one of the things that both of those movies underscored for me is I, I never thought of Sidney Greenstreet or Peter Lorre as being subtle actors. But when you look at some of the things they both did in both of those films, there was a lot of important subtlety going on.
6: Oh, absolutely. And it's so interesting because if you saw my, uh, my outro to The Verdict, you know that I talked about how completely um, dissimilar they are as performers because Green Street was a total professional, did everything to the letter... Uh, did every line reading the same way every time, whereas Peter Laurie was much more cavalier and and just kind of winging it when he would come on the set. And yet, (laughs) together, they were absolutely magic.
1: Yes, they were. Wow. We're talking with Eddie Muller, and he has a beautiful new book out. Uh, In fact, you don't have to drink or enjoy drinking if you love movies, if you love a good product. This is what this book is all about. It's Noir Bar, Cocktails Inspired by the World of Film Noir. We are talking with the czar of noir, Eddie Muller. Eddie, do you know why we would have uh, chosen that song? If you don't know... Believe me, we'll keep you on the radio. We won't kick you
6: off. <laughs> <laughs> you can't miss with Duke Ellington, but uh, yeah. I, I'm not exactly sure why you chose it. I know that uh, Duke wrote the soundtrack to Anatomy for, uh, for Murder, which right. is one of the great scores ever, but what was your particular reason for this choice?
1: Uh, there is a, uh, and of course now the name escapes me, but it's playing on the radio in one of the classic scenes in... I came across it the other day and went, oh my gosh, that's Duke Ellington playing and on the And this is awful.
0: We were talking about this this afternoon, <laughs> yes. and now I have brain fade. I can't think of the movie I've either. Du-
1: I've got Duke Ellington on my mind. Uh, I called you the czar of noir. What's the story behind that? There's got to be a story.
6: <laughs> well, it, that's funny, Johnny. So here's the deal. When you're starting out in this business, you, you kind of want people to take you seriously. And so when you're doing a speaking engagement or something and you, you write a little bio mm-hmm. for yourself, but early on you tend to overwrite the bio because you want people to think you've accomplished a lot. <laughs> and so I was, I was pouring everything into this bio, and the woman introducing me got tired of reading it. And she just said, oh, hell, he's just the czar of noir. That's <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. And, and that that's exactly how that was born, and uh my father was a sports writer mm-hmm. back in the thirties and forties and beyond and uh you know he wrote about boxing, and so mm-hmm. believe me i I understood the value of a good nickname, oh yeah, you know, uh so as soon as she said he's just the czar of noir i said i'm I'm using that I'm keeping it so that that's exactly how that was born.
0: Well, the new book is Noir Bar, Cocktails Inspired by the World of Film Noir.
1: Now, is it fair to say, as I did a few minutes ago, Eddie, that you don't have to care about alcohol at all to love the book? Because I really feel very strongly that looking at the um, the different recipes you have in the book is really wonderful, and some of it is just so enticing but all the other stuff related to the movies, I mean, if you like movies, this is a book for you, right? Absolutely. It
6: was a very conscious decision on, on my part and the publisher's part to to make this appealing to people, even if they're not cocktail enthusiasts, you know? And uh, it, it played a part in my choosing, uh, you know, what films I would put in, mm-hmm. because it's not Just the well-known movies, right? Out of the Past is in here and a few other very familiar noir films. But then I also talk about some more obscure movies because that's also what I do. I mean, that's kind of an obsession with me because, Mm -hmm. uh, as I'm sure you know, I have a foundation, the Film Noir Foundation, that I created to rescue and restore at-risk movies. And uh, some of those make it into this book. And some others that I didn't have to rescue, but are equally obscure, just because I I love making sure that the work of these fantastic artists isn't lost. You know that uh, there's I mean there's some stuff in this book that has not even been shown on Turner Classic Movies. Um, so yes, that whole thing was a was a big part of why I did the book and what its appeal is meant to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in addition to just, if you want to sit down and watch one of these movies with a nice cocktail, here's my suggestion.
0: And, and thank you so much for doing the Film Noir Foundation and for for helping to restore some of these movies. Uh, and I, I love when you show one of those. The cuts are so pristine and y- it's Just thank you very much for doing what you're doing.
6: You're very welcome, Steve. It's uh, it, it was something I never set out to do. I talk about on-the-job you know, education. Uh, I started to promote um, this stuff just because I had written a book on film noir, Dark City, The Lost World of Film Noir. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I you know, I was nobody. Nobody knew who I was. And I wanted to make sure that the book sold a few copies. So some very adventurous uh, theatrical venues invited me to program film festivals. And in the course of doing that, I realized there were films that had actually gone missing. Because I'd say, let's show this and let's show that. And it's uh-huh. like, well, we can't find a print. And and so in short order, I created this nonprofit foundation um, to hunt these movies down and make sure that they survive, and uh, it, it's not easy, yeah. <laughs> and it's getting tougher all the time. But we have we have fortunately been very successful, and this was you know uh, twelve years or so before I ever got this gig on PCM that I started doing this, and it, it like I say, it was nothing that I imagined for myself, and I didn't know anything about restoring films. Um, But that has changed.
0: (laughs) By the way, I think you may find it interesting to know that along with having Noir Barr in the studio with us, the other book that we brought in the studio with us is Dark City.
6: Right. Very good. I appreciate that as well.
1: Well, I I should also mention that uh, just a couple months ago, I picked up a book that intrigued me. And I, at the time, I said to Steve, do you think this is, the, and it is the same Eddie Muller, that wrote the Tab Hunter Confidential, the making of a movie star book. And that was back in, what, 2007 that you wrote that?
6: I, th- I think so. That sounds about right.
1: Yeah. yeah. And that became a national bestseller. And it, it, it only ended up in my hands because I was on a Tab Hunter kick. And I went, wow, that's Eddie Muller, too. How, how about
9: that? Yeah, that's,
6: the, that's the same guy. Um it, it's interesting, and that was uh that's today his so far, you know, my by far my best selling book was Tab's mm-hmm. Autobiography. And it was so wonderful that uh Tad was really, really a, a very nice man. I liked him very much. And he was so kind in that he, he never hid me. You know, a lot of people who write an autobiography, uh-huh. uh they don't want people to know they have a ghostwriter or something. And when I said one day, you know, well, Tab, I'm your ghostwriter. He said, No, you're not. Hmm. You're not. I want you to be right out there with me because you're, you know, you're bringing so much to this project that I'm not. I don't intend to hide you. Wow. And so it was. It was really wonderful. Yeah. Uh, that when the book came out, Tab would ask me to come to book signings with him and do speaking engagements with him. He was. A, he was a really wonderful guy.
1: Hmm. Well, with the success of of that book and the success with, for for example, your last book, Dark City, was it your idea to do the latest book, Bar Noir, or did somebody come to you and say, Noir Bar is, uh, you got to do it, Eddie, it's it's brilliant, it has to be done. I mean, how did that happen?
6: Amazingly, it really wasn't my idea, I have to admit (laughs) that um the same publisher who did dark city uh did noir bar and they just, they had done other successful cocktail books and so they just said what what would you think about doing this and i said well i think i'm ashamed that i hadn't thought of it myself <laughs> <laughs> that's what i think and um and it was just a no-brainer i mean i really i think it's the only book that i never actually Put a detailed proposal together for. Hmm. I, I just said, yeah, yeah. You know, now that you guys mentioned this, I, I realized that um, during COVID, I do think this book, the growth of COVID, because um, so many people got into making cocktails and like yes. mm-hmm. doing this is something that made quarantine a little less onerous, right?
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So.
6: Um, I started, and when I was, during COVID, I had to shoot my TCM show at home, a lot of it just at home. And TCM sent me uh, all this equipment so that I could do that. And it took a lot of effort to set it up and take it down. And so at one point, I just was like, I don't even want to take it down. I'm just going to leave it up. (laughs) And then five o'clock would roll around and I'd turn on the camera and I'd make a little video uh making a cocktail. <laughs> and and I started a YouTube channel that way that lasted about 10 or 12 cocktails until I said <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until I said why am I giving this away?
4: Right. <laughs> well, I,
6: I could probably do a book with this stuff, but then I never did. And then you know, my editor at Running Press said, "How about a cocktail book?" And when I said, yeah, that makes perfect sense,
4: uh-huh.
6: then she said, we'll need a proposal. And I said, no, you don't. Here's my YouTube channel. Just go and look, and you'll see my proposal is sort of already exists in these video forms. Perfect. So, so that's how that all happened.
1: Absolutely perfect. Noir Bar is the book, and it's cocktails inspired by the... World of Film Noir. That's what we're talking about with Eddie Muller. I know he's on television right now while we're on the radio. Stay with us. We're going to come back because you got your DVR running like we do. I know that because you want to hear more stories from Eddie Muller here on WGN.
0: We're talking with a a man whose show we are DVRing even as we speak. It is part of our weekly routine. And some people (laughs) want to know uh, what channel and time is his show on. It's on TCM, Turner Classic Movies. Chicago time, 11 o'clock. It's uh, Noir Alley.
1: Midnight. And repeated at 10 o'clock on Sunday
0: mornings. Mm, sometimes it's 11 o'clock Chicago time.
1: Okay. Well, Flaxy Martin is going to be recorded tonight. That's all I know. Yeah. So we're going to see that at <laughs> 3 o'clock in the morning.
0: <laughs> and the, the, uh, the new book is Eddie Muller's Noir Bar. Cocktails inspired by the world of film noir. Eddie, for a second, can we get you to talk about one of the things that we both love about the book, the graphics? And we understand the person that did the graphics for the book paid particular attention to the movies that the graphics were going to be associated with.
6: Yes, absolutely. I, I am, <laughs> honestly, I'm kind of blessed that. Um, this fellow named Paul Keppel, who is a world class designer, uh, agreed to do this book. And, and he was such a stickler for detail that he um, actually created typefaces to emulate the title sequences of various movies so that it, it would be a perfect match. Uh, so if we talk about the Fallen Angel cocktail, the the typeface for fallen angel looks just like the typeface in the movie
4: Hmm.
6: or i wake up screaming or any number of things i mean it it was just tremendous and it was so much fun working with paul we actually i made all the cocktails that are pictured in the book in his studio Hmm. in philadelphia and a wonderful photographer named steve legato uh photographed them right there in paul's studio Uh, We worked with a stylist, a prop stylist uh, named Kelsey Windmiller, who uh, made sure that every single garnish looked fresh Hmm. and sat perfectly in the cocktail. (laughs) I made the cocktails, but uh, Kelsey was sort of in charge of the garnishes. She did them way better than I ever could.
1: Didn't you actually invent some of the cocktails that are um, featured in the book? The recipes are there?
6: Correct, correct. About 10 of the cocktails are things that I concocted, um, either making variations of a classic cocktail to change it just a little bit because of uh, the film or the performer or something, or or I just did it... uh, from scratch, mm-hmm. uh, being inspired by the characters or the performers in the films, and saying, now, what, what would they drink? What would this person mm-hmm. drink? Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I was proud of that, because as you may have mentioned before, I was at one point a bartender mm-hmm. in my life. I still am a bartender. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was making cocktails for my wife earlier this evening.
1: Uh huh. You're a mixologist. So,
6: um, I, I, I do know what goes with what.
1: Right. Well, in fact, you were studying to be a bartender. And I mean, if you are a good bartender, you study. Uh, you were going through that in the late 70s. At the same time, I was working at a cool little jazz club here in Chicago. I was a cocktail waitress at Rick's Cafe Americaine. And well, you know, I think about that because back then... Um, when you came into a place like Rick's, it was live jazz music with these great old jazz performers. Who, sadly, I didn't realize who I was getting to see every night for two and three shows a night. I didn't get it back then, but uh, people weren't ordering drinks like they we were. Like dealing with a renaissance in 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 cool drinks that I didn't see personally as a cocktail waitress back in the late seventies. Would you agree?
6: Yeah, absolutely. I, now I'm kind of curious if Ricks was a was that like a chain or something? Cause mm, no, I'm I- not sure. I remember that there was a Ricks in San Francisco at at some point, and I'm it kind of fascinates me. But you're at, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's interesting when I first started bartending, it was not like what it is today. I mean, the the cocktail culture had not reemerged, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and and I was not part of this renaissance. It was uh, a, it was kind of a different thing. There were high end places, um, but in general, people weren't really drinking cocktails to the degree that they are now.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: So I'm very happy that the renaissance has returned. You know, I think that after the '70s and '80s there kind of became a return, there there was a return to mid-20th century style. Mm
4: -hmm. Uh,
6: You know, whether you want to call it retro culture or vintage culture, whatever it is, but swing dancing came back, and cocktails came back, and vintage fashion came back, um, which all, those are my people. (laughs) I mean, those are the people that that come to my film festival. and watch Noir Alley religiously. Uh, I find that all very fascinating because they clearly didn't live through that period the first mm-hmm. time. So, so they're revisiting it purely because it's aesthetically very pleasing to them. Yep. Understandably so, because I mean, I think an argument could be made that that era in American uh, culture was the zenith. I mean, we kind of hit top end in, in hmm. the 1940s, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, n- not just saving, saving the world <laughs> in World War II, <laughs> but uh, looking very stylish while doing it. So uh, I, I think that's something that, that people really, really admire about America. Because so you know the movies were great, the music was great, the jazz was just like really kicking in. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of this stuff is is what makes American culture so so vital, uh, not just here but all around the world. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's interesting that one thing that I've really learned uh, in my role as the czar of noir is that it wasn't the noir thing wasn't just an American phenomenon which I thought it was when I first got into this. But over the years, I've come to realize that all around the world, they were sort of experiencing the same thing. Hmm. And I've, I've discovered noir films in Argentina, and Japan, obviously in France and mm-hmm. Italy. And it, it really is remarkable. And the Film Noir Foundation, the people who support my work, come from all over the world. They're not just in the United States. And I, I just, uh, this has been a revelation to me and something I really cherish.
0: You mentioned some of the, the uh, film festivals, and we've had a number of people uh, texting us at 312 And they want to know, is there any chance that you are going to be appearing in the Chicago area at any point in the future with, a, with one of the film festivals?
6: I've done uh, a festival in Chicago at the Music Box Theater for, I think this will be my 14th year.
1: Oh, wow.
6: And it will be um, in late August. I think the date is August 26th. I could be wrong about mm-hmm. that. But um, late August at the Music Box. I've done it for a long time, and uh, it's fantastic. So everybody everybody who is curious needs to come on out. <laughs> uh, I think this year we will be doing... Uh, every film that we'll show will be from 1948. Because... It's the seventy-fifth anniversary of every one of those movies. Awesome!
0: I love that. Yeah, so,
6: um, that's that's the plan.
0: I have to tell you uh, that if there's any chance at all that we can get you in the studio while you are here in Chicago, oh boy, are we going to lobby for that?
9: <laughs> we we'll lock the doors.
6: Um, <laughs> it would it would be it would be at this time. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, we go on the air at nine o'clock in the evening.
6: Well, that, that may be tough, but we'll, we'll see what we can do. Okay. Well,
1: Eddie, I, I want to talk a little bit more about you and your passion for film noir. Is there a particular film that did it for you, that just kind of lit that fire in you? Uh,
6: yes. The first one is a movie called Thieves Highway,
4: mm-hmm. which
6: was made in 1949 at 20th Century Fox. And I think the reason why it struck me was because it's set in San Francisco, which is my hometown, and it's set in one night in, in downtown San Francisco. And what really appealed to me about that movie is that it showed a city that didn't exist anymore. because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I recognized the streets that they were talking about in the film, but what I was watching in the film... Wasn't what was on those streets when I was there, right? So I became fascinated by, you know, what was here before Mm this, right? And um, so that was the one that kind of hooked me. But then my all-time favorite film is uh, Humphrey Bogart in In a Lonely Place. Mm. Uh, with Gloria Graham, which is in the book. Uh, Thieves Highway, I couldn't find an appropriate cocktail to match it with. <laughs> but in a, in a Lonely Place is in the book, and I absolutely adore that movie, and I, I watch it at least once every year. Wow. Um, and, and you know, you, you guys know, I mean, you, you played Nicholas Rojas' fabulous score for Double Indemnity. That's an absolute classic, and out of the past, and... Touch of Evil and Crisscross and Sunset Boulevard, Asphalt Jungle. These are all movies mm. that, dare, dare I say, I could recite the entire movie start to finish.
1: Well, <laughs> it's a little like asking you to pick your favorite child. I understand. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break and come back, Eddie. And a listener wants to know, from the 1980s to the present, are there movies that you would put in the film noir category?
6: A- absolutely, without question. Uh, it doesn't. They don't look the same as the classic noir films. Mm-hmm. But like you were touching on earlier, Johnny, um, if if the bad guys are the protagonists, you know, noir is about when people know what they're about to do is wrong, <laughs> and they do it anyway. I mean that that's what creates all of these stories, right? Mm-hmm. And then they never call the police. You never. Nobody ever calls the cops <laughs> in the noir. Films, right? uh, so yeah, there's a lot of those and. Interestingly, a lot of very famous, successful uh, filmmakers uh, have cut their teeth early in their careers making what I would consider to be noir films. If you look at uh, the Coen brothers and something like Blood Simple, Mm -hmm. that's Uh a film noir. Christopher Nolan makes, um, his first film was called Following, that he actually made in England that was hardcore noir. And then he made Memento with Guy Pearce, that's very much a film noir. And and you just see this all the time that uh, filmmakers start out by making a noir because those are the films that hooked them when they were young as filmmakers, Mm -hmm. and they don't require a lot of budget. I mean that's the thing. I always I say it jokingly, but I actually mean it sincerely. I mean to make a film noir, all you really need is like a man, a woman, a hotel room. And a weapon. <laughs> and, and you have a film noir. There's mm-hmm. a, something noirish is going to come out of that, right? Right. And so they're not big-budget films, and they never were. I mean, even back in the original era, the reason there were so many of these movies so that it could become a movement in Hollywood is because they didn't cost a lot to make. Mm-hmm. And they, they always provided a return on investment that the studios were satisfied with. And that holds true to this day. I mean, you can get into bigger budget things like L.A. Confidential, you know, that from right. James Elroy oh, sure. novel. that's that's pretty much a a film noir. Or there are even people who would claim that something like, you know, several of the Batman movies, especially the ones that Chris Nolan made, yep.
4: mm-hmm.
6: have a, are very. I, I don't consider them film noir, but I would say that they are informed by film noir. Their their sensibility and their visual look is very yes. informed by film noir.
0: I have to ask you, because there are uh, sometimes when the films you will be showing are films that we've already seen, but we will still watch Noir Alley because of your intros and your outros. Where do you find some of this information, and how do you get these people to talk to you?
6: Uh, You just have to be interested. I mean, unfortunately... Uh, Steve, I don't find as many people to talk to any longer because that's just how it goes, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but I, I was interested in all of this at a time when many of these people were still alive. And it was wonderful to discuss it with them because they never thought they were doing anything called film noir. They were just making the movies, right? And I remember interviewing um, Claire Trevor, who appeared in so many of these movies and she said you have to before we start you have to explain to me what you're talking about because oh. i don't have the slightest idea oh. what film noir oh. is oh god and, bless and her and then when i when i said oh you know murder my sweet and raw deal and she goes oh you mean a crime picture where <laughs> i played the bad woman in the crime picture okay now i know what you're talking about and and I honestly, I take that approach to the subject because um, if you watch this, if you watch me on TV enough, you know, my credo is bar room, not classroom. Mm-hmm. So I don't try to take a very highbrow academic approach to the subject. I kind of stick with Claire Trevor's thing. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you mean the crime movies? Yeah, yes. here's how I did those. I I made these and this is what I and. I'm I'm very attuned to the practical side of the movie business.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh,
6: why did they make these movies? Why were there so many of them at a particular time? Who were the people that excelled at this and why? There's, there's not a lot of theory in what I talk about. It's mm-hmm. more just practical sense of this was the economics of the time. This is what artists wanted to do. This was the politics of the time. All of these things came to bear on why there was what I call an organic artistic movement that created all of this stuff at that particular time.
1: Eddie, we are running out of time. I have to ask you, though, because today is Father's Day, and you mentioned your dad, the sports writer, all his life writing in in particular about boxing. But you also write in your latest book... About Deadline USA and watching that movie with your dad. Can you take a moment and just share that with our audience?
6: Sure. Um, as I said, my dad was a newspaper man, and he was not a movie guy at all. Hmm. But he was—he was a great father, and he knew at a certain point that I was kind of interested in movies. And I, I just one day we were watching this. Deadline USA, where Humphrey Bogart plays an editor of a major metropolitan newspaper that's going out of business for various reasons. And uh, I remember distinctly at the end of that film, it's a fantastic scene where Bogart, uh, as the crusading editor, brings down this notorious gangster. And the gangster threatens him, and Bogart just holds the phone up to the presses that are running with the story that's going to break this gangster. And he says, it's the press, baby, and there's nothing you can do about it. (laughs) And I I looked over, and my dad was crying. The only time i ever seen my father crying. And, And it left such a massive impression on me. Um And then years and years later, in 2008, I showed this film at opening night at one of my film festivals at a time when newspapers, you know, were beginning to go through their yeah. massive mm-hmm. decline. And so many of my friends and colleagues were taking buyouts, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because the papers were in such financial distress. They had to take they, they took the money to give up their chosen career. Yeah. basically. And uh, and they all came to see Deadline USA, and there wasn't a dry eye in the house. So <laughs> so it was like my dad had seen that like yeah. you know thirty five years earlier, uh, and and it was a, a moment I'll never forget. Sure. So, and, Johnny, thank you very much for mentioning that and mm-hmm. for noting that in the book and, and bringing it up. I greatly mm-hmm. appreciate it.
1: I get goosebumps because I love that line that Bogey has. You can kill me, but you can't murder the newspaper.
6: <laughs> you can't murder a newspaper. Oh, yeah. golly. Well, <laughs> uh, uh, if only it were true. Yeah,
1: yeah. Were true. yeah absolutely you're right. You're singing our yes. All right, quickly, in closing, does anybody ever drink beer in, in film noir? Yes or
6: no? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there, there, are, there are some beer drinkers, but they're always sloppy. They're always You're sloppy right. Beer drinkers. Right. Because, because you'll notice I've I, there are many, it's so funny you bring this up. There are so many instances where beer drinkers are denigrated in noir films. You know, uh, there's a film called uh, Try and Get Me. It's one of my personal favorites. And there's a scene where somebody orders a beer and he goes, yeah. You ever notice a beer drinker? You look at a beer drinker, you got a jerk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's the line in the movie. Oh, that's right? brilliant! And,
6: <laughs> yeah, and then uh, uh, I just showed a film on on TCM a few weeks ago called Dial One 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 Nine. Yes, with a great William Conrad. Yes, bartender and he chuckled, and he says, uh, "What do you What do you expect from a beer drinker?" Um. <laughs>
1: It's just like it's dirty in his mouth, you know. Eddie,
0: Eddie, am I wrong, or are you a kid in a candy store? Oh, I
6: can't believe I've do this for a living
1: well we're we're certainly glad you do and thank you for your new book it's absolutely gorgeous noir bar cocktails inspired by the world of film noir it's such a pleasure to meet you i you have to forgive me but i was kind of geeking out at the beginning i was like oh my god we're going to talk to eddie muller
0: and and if you got the feeling that you were talking to two stalkers you're correct (laughs) eddie
6: No, well that uh, that's very nice. And seriously, uh, when I come to Chicago, we have to figure out some way uh, to connect. You that know would be we, awesome. You guys should do a remote show. Now
1: you're talking. There you go. Yes. yes,
6: yeah, that's brilliant. Oh, I like
1: that. We're gonna work on that for real yeah,
6: because because then you can have a whole like a studio audience and everything. Yeah. We'll, just, we'll just keep the theater open a little bit later, and we'll we'll do your show live. <gasps> Ooh, the music.
1: I like the way you think, Eddie. Yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I really appreciate you joining us tonight. and We'll be in touch. Thanks a bunch.
6: Fabulous. What a pleasure. Thank you both. Good night,
1: Eddie.
0: This was fun.
1: Oh, oh my <sighs> gosh. So many things to talk about, too. I,
0: lo- I know we're late for the news, yes. but but that was Eddie Muller. I mean, come on. <laughs> Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. It is Father's Day.
1: It is. And we found that it's kind of tough to find songs by women about their dads. There's a lot of
0: songs by men or by groups,
1: Uh, and yeah, there's some country songs. uh, But again, it wasn't that easy. So Mm -hmm. you songwriters out there, work on that right now because we need more songs Mm -hmm. about dads. It made me think about um, the T-shirt I saw. We were we were on Hollywood, heading over to Lakeshore <laughs> yeah. Drive, and this group of people crossed the street. And I said to you, they look like they all belong together. Right? They were all wearing, oddly enough, shades of gray, mm-hmm. and all the men were bald. Mm-hmm. And they were all ages. Even babies, and and it must have been about 15 of them. It was just weird to me that they were wearing shades of gray, you know, gray shorts and gray slacks and gray T-shirts and gray blouses and and dark gray, like kind of some Northside cult or something. Anyway, the one dad had on a T-shirt, and he happened to turn just so I could see what was written on his T-shirt. And it said, this isn't a dad bod, it's a father figure. I love that. I do too, because dad bod is a you know that's kind of a mm-hmm. a derogatory. Oh, you got a dad bod? It's like mom jeans. You like oh yeah? Who wants a dad bod? No, this is a father figure. Yeah, and I wanted to give him a you know a thumbs yeah. up, but <laughs> with all that gray over there, I I couldn't get his attention.
0: Well, I hope it's going to be a uh, a good Father's Day for you.
1: I've often thought that dads were mistreated on Dad's Day because when you go shopping for Dad's Day, you can find all kinds of grilling stuff. Yeah. So the implication is Dad's going to cook. Dad's going to work. He's going to cook his own meal. And mom's, you know, you want to do a brunch, you're going to pull out all the stops, you're going to go to a fancy restaurant, which is great. But if you're going to get dad grilling stuff, don't expect him to use it today on Father's Day. Mm-hmm. Maybe next weekend would be okay. Still go out and get a steak. Of course, dad would probably say, that's my idea of a good time, is is grilling. I know my dad always said that. Oh, sure. Back away from the grill. You people don't know what you're doing. I know exactly what to do. Back away. Mm-hmm. And he was quite good at it, too. And it's a very special skill. But... um I never wanted to give him utensils to be used around the grill because it just seemed so uh, as though I was expecting him. Yeah. I'm expecting you to cook for me on yeah. your day.
0: <laughs> and I, I can only wish for you what I was lucky enough to have. Uh, and when I say wish for you, I'm speaking to to the person on the other side of the radio speaker. Uh, I hope you can have the kind of relationship with, with your dad that I had with mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, up until the time I met Johnny, my dad wasn't just my dad. He was my best friend.
1: I would agree with you. Uh, my mother used to say that we were impossible because we lived to aggravate her. So he was kind of like the well, brother. Did. I, he I, was He was like the brother that I didn't have being an only child because we just enjoyed aggravating her, <clears throat> making her voice go up a couple of octaves. John, Johnny, what? You know, that, was, that was our idea of, of score. You know, we mm. did it. Oh, we broke mom. <clears throat> In fact, my profile picture on my Facebook page today is a picture of me with my dad. 1963 Lincoln Park that was one of the things we often did was we would just go not so much to the zoo part but we'd go to the park to look at the flowers and go into the greenhouse and we're outside by the flowers and so I think it was probably July June or July of 63 and I'm wearing sunglasses and when I came across that picture the other day, I thought this is a perfect picture to put up for Father's Day because that's me emulating my dad because he's wearing sunglasses too.
4: Mm-hmm. But
1: sadly, he had a cigarette in his fingers. And most pictures that I came across in the sixties and seventies, he always had a, fi- always had a cigarette in between his fingers. But I forgot when I posted that picture that those sunglasses were found in the park. And I was so excited when I found them because my dad was wearing sunglasses.
0: Because they look like, I mean, they fit you. Yeah,
1: and they were cool sunglasses. And I remember putting them on, and it all came back to me this evening when I was thinking about posting that picture and about it being Father's Day. I was so happy to have glasses just like my dad. And thank Mm. goodness my mom, who always had a camera with her, snapped that picture right at that moment. And I'm just kind of leaning into him, looking cool, just like him, (laughs) at seven so he was 27 and uh, that was our happy place lincoln park Hmm.
0: steve king and johnny putman at wgn radio you can uh, text us or uh, talk to us telephonically 312-981-7200 is the phone number
1: and a listener reminds me you're absolutely right beyonce has a song from her first solo album called daddy you are right
0: uh, because the, the, Johnny and I were looking around this afternoon, and we found a couple interesting songs. We'll we'll play a couple of them in this hour. But it was hard to find songs by women uh, that weren't really? country song. And there's nothing wrong with a country song, but they all kind of sounded the same. They didn't have any...
1: Well, uh, uh, well... Honestly, there are some songs that I just won't play because they're too sad. Yeah. And I don't want to make anybody sad when I start crying on the radio. So we're mm-hmm. ain't, we ain't going there. Because there were a couple of them you started playing. I go, no, no, uh-uh, nope, mm-hmm. We can't play that one. Um, and I think that was the case with, and maybe I'm being unfair, maybe many of the songs by women were just a little too close for comfort so I was like no to
0: to me a lot of them sounded the same yeah and and I like country music but these just kind of had the same kind of a sound and
1: and there are uh, there's kind of a whole category of songs that are supposed to be for the first dance yeah now we haven't been to a wedding in forever partly due to COVID and partly due because we don't know a lot of people that got married recently I don't even know if people still do a dance with dad I like I think to, they still I do. hope they do.
0: Yeah. Um, Daddy daughter dances. Yeah. I, I still hope so. Thing, because
1: there's I still, there is that category of songs. If you look up dad songs or dad songs by females, you'll see songs that the dad and the daughter are supposed mm. to dance to. Um, I don't remember us ever dancing. I don't think we danced, because my dad would only dance to one song. That's true. One song, and that was it, and that was the Tennessee, Tennessee Waltz. Waltz. And i danced dancing to nothing else. I don't care if it's your wedding, and you're my only child, but I, so, yeah, <laughs> it's not always a given.
0: <laughs> this is Father's Day, and as Johnny and I were looking around earlier to find some good Father's Day <laughs> songs, we came across one. That we want to share with you. Now, this is not new, but you may not have heard it. And we were both really (laughs) struck by this. Uh, The artist, and I say artist because even though it sounds like it's a group, as I understand it, it is one guy. Mm -hmm. The artist is called Owl City. It is actually Adam Adam Young. Young.
1: Born in Iowa and out of Minnesota. And I, I called the sound uh, is called uh, emo pop. I just I love it. I you can understand every word he's singing, yep. and apparently Adam Young has said that the only thing more important to him uh, than his music is his faith, and he's a, a devout Christian mm-hmm. and. Seems like an interesting guy. Yeah,
0: he's been around for a while.
1: Yes. um, There had been some talk about 10, 12 years ago that he was dating Taylor Swift. But that could not have been the case because she's never written a song about him. So it didn't happen. <laughs> that, that, that's true. It did not happen. <laughs> but that's a great little song for, yeah. um, Father's, for Father's Day. Father's Day. Yeah. A listener says, what about Holly Dunn's uh, Daddy's Hands? You don't want to hear me blubbering on the radio, so we ain't playing that uh-huh. song. It's a beauty. <clears throat> but again, coming from a female perspective, it's just, it's right up there with, in my world,
0: Dance With My Father. Oh, golly. Yeah.
1: Dance With My Father.
0: <sighs> Again, both great songs. Yes. But no. 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 <laughs> no. Not
1: in the middle of the night. Not this no. morning. No. no
0: not going to happen. Know,
1: you don't want that to happen. So just, if you know the song, you you know, hum it. I ain't playing it. <laughs> I got a good half hour here on the radio, so no. Mm-mm. mm <laughs>
0: So many things to get to. Um, I'm going to do a weird segue here. Okay. Did you want to share with the kids the shopping scam that you saw earlier this week?
1: Why do I see these things? Because I came home and I was really, I was worked up. I was really troubled by what I saw. So I, I walk into Kohl's. I'm going to customer service. Because I have items to return. And you called me. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: About the very... I I was next in line. I got out of line. I stepped over to the side. And I was kind of out of the way. I was amongst some cards. Their little card uh, area Mm -hmm. and gift wrap. As I'm talking to you on the phone, I watch an elderly man... Walk up to this big box where you typically will wad up your Kohl's bag and stuff it in the box, and they apparently recycle it. Right. <clears throat> but he puts his hand down in that big box and he's about past his elbow and he pulls out a bag, but hidden underneath that bag, I see a, a strip of yellow stickers. <clears throat> I think, well, that's weird. What was that doing in there? And I keep talking to you, and he walks away. And then it was my turn to have to hung up from you to get back in line, and I peer into that box, and there are more of those yellow stickers, and guess what they were? They were the clearance mm-hmm. stickers, and they had numbers typed on them.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: $4 and $5 and $6 and there must have been 50 of them. So I reach in the box and I grab them out. When I get to the counter, I lay them down on the counter and I said, I don't think you want these floating around. And she goes, <gasps> no, because if people put these stickers on products, we have to sell it to them for what's on the sticker.
0: So how did they get thrown there in the first place? I know.
1: That was the weird, and she was baffled by that, too. And she said, I will certainly report it. Thank you for handing these to me. And I said, well, you should be aware that there was someone here earlier that apparently grabbed a handful of Mm -hmm. them. So cut to 15 minutes later. Of course, I can't get out of there without buying something. And I'm standing in line, and there was a sale going on, so there was a line. But there was a little uh, um, trouble up ahead Mm -hmm. of me. at at the uh, register and it dawned on me that the trouble was coming from the man who had stuck his hand in the box and pulled out all of those stickers. What was he yelling about? That the register said that he owed $74 when the sticker said he owed $20. And the kid finally just threw up his hands and says, Sir, I don't know. You're absolutely right. I have to give it to you for that price. And I went, Doggone it. That's the mm-hmm. guy. Now I have visions of him walking around putting stickers on things, you know, which can happen. Sure. So I, when I got up to his register, I said, I know they don't pay you enough to fight with people like that. I understand completely, but you need to know that you are not in the wrong. I'm absolutely convinced that that sticker was put on there um, mm-hmm. intentionally. Um, stealing, basically, mm-hmm. is what was happening. And that's my story. And and,
0: just, and acting indignant.
1: Indignant. And and really just,
0: just to give more Yeah. Uh, well the, the, the,
1: as a checker said, or the clerk said, Boy, he was good. Yeah. I was beginning to think I was the bad guy in this. And I said, Well that's why yeah. i I'm, I'm 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 telling you that you weren't and they don't pay you enough to fight with people who I mean he was belligerent, he was loud yeah. and I thought, Wow and well, Anyway, as I say, that's my story. And you never know what goes on. Hmm. And when I came home, I said, I just wish I hadn't seen it. It just made me so angry. And there was nothing I could do about it.
0: Other than share the story. And maybe the people, if there are any... Uh, people Clerks. listening who work at Coles make sure those stickers are not just tossed in the where big somebody box. can get to yeah. them.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So that's our public service announcement that's for, right. for the moment. Uh, more coming up. Stay with us at WGN. Why on earth would they be playing Ray Stevens' The Streak?
1: That's a classic.
0: <clears throat> that's one way to refer to it.
1: You know what's bad? It is an earworm. It will be stuck in your head tonight.
0: And... Back in the day, at the Once Big 89, I had to play that thing once every 90 oh. minutes because it made the top four. And we oh. had these little clocks that said you had to play the top oh, four Oh, that's
1: r- once every 90 years uh, uh, is okay in my book.
0: But you can ask, well,
1: why? Why? Because
0: usually a lot of the songs <laughs> we play have something to do with, uh, okay, yes. I'll cut to the chase. Something
1: you should know about.
0: You know, we're not going to be here two weeks from now, right? Because of the NASCAR race.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not sure we should be here one week from now. Oh, yes,
1: we should.
0: Because one week from now is going to be the annual. What is it? The 23rd.
1: The twentieth.
0: Twentieth annual world naked bike ride.
1: Now you did say naked, right?
0: I said naked.
1: Well, naked and naked are two different things. <laughs> yeah. Now, seriously, I'm looking at all the rules and regulations for the naked bike ride, Yeah, and it's definitely a naked and not naked,
0: because
1: uh-huh. if it was naked, <clears throat> they wouldn't have all these rules.
0: And for those of you listening to us around the country, this is a thing that yes. has been going on it for is, decades it is in the world, Chicago.
1: The world naked bike ride yeah. next Saturday evening. Um, Be clear on what this isn't, Steve, and I'm reading Mm -hmm. from their website. Okay, This is Mm chicagonakedride.org. Be clear on what this isn't, and that's in capital letters. It is a people-powered happening Mm -hmm. bringing radical attention against oil addiction. It's not primarily a naturist party.
4: Mm-hmm. It
1: is a big, fun ride for able area cyclists. Mm-hmm. It's not for the frail nor flyers and drivers. It is an extreme free speech exercise trying to save the planet.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. If you are distant or uncertain, please read more details.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Distant or uncertain. Well, let's pretend like we're both distant. Yeah, we, I am a So we need little to read distant. more. Location is not disclosed until days before, based on experience to limit crowding of the creepy variety.
0: But I thought if the location isn't being disclosed yet, aren't they closing down parts of uh, of, Shh, the, don't, don't, of don't don't of, go there? Of the, Shh, drive?
1: Sh- I thought were, uh... the announced location is only a checkpoint. Uh where next directions are given to verifiable participants on bikes. If you plan to just come by to look and hope to bluff your way in, make other plans, Buster. Check-in has in recent years been after 6 p.m. in the West Loop. Mm -hmm. Gathering has in recent years been between 6 and 8 p.m. at an undisclosed location. Body painting may be available, but line so long that coming pre decorated is recommended. Uh-huh. Person powered wheels to pass check in and no cameras in gathering area are strictly enforced. So if you show up there without bike or skates or with a camera, you say you didn't know or that someone said you could, you may be laughed off the premises. I love the way they've written these rules. Ride is about 8 to midnight. The route is not announced in advance, and MAMPs are not guaranteed because we're trying to keep the creepy factor down. We're going
0: to be driving into the radio station.
1: (laughs) Not knowing where they are. uh, Past recommended viewing points for fans and spectators included locations such as Michigan Avenue, Michigan mm -hmm. Wacker to Walton boys town that's belmont sheffield to broadway
0: wasn't there one year that it was going right by the showcase studio on the it tribune was. tower
1: yes yes <laughs> so just a viewing points and times will be on chicagonakedride.org on ride day also on twitter Keep the course clear. Wave and cheer and applaud from the side. And joy will be multiplied. <laughs> Participants bear as you dare. Anything from fanciful costumes to body paint to undies are encouraged. Remember the slogan: celebrating freedom from oil and the beauty of people. Mm-hmm. Be nice to everyone and leave no trace. If you can't be golden, don't come. Go. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what? that's weird you can't be golden don't come be prepared to ride for as much as 14 miles
0: yeah right
1: <laughs> and if you are shy stay inside the group not on the outside
0: if, well, if you're, you're shy why would you, be why it? Did you
4: even show
1: up
0: if you're bold, if you're shy, you're going to stay at home and read about it in the paper the next day.
1: If you're bold, you ride on the outside, and if somebody gets creepy with you, you just scream, as it says here in in the rules, you just scream, "Get back, creep!"
0: That that's the formal Yes. Approved in the rules.
1: God bless them. Phrase
0: to use. Get back creep. creep. Let me write that down I don't <laughs> want to forget that if for some reason I want to make sure I'm using the approved yes. verbiage.
1: Yes. Well, God bless them. Their heart's in the right place. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about the rest of their bodies. Because. <laughs> I don't care how much body paint you put on. It's not comfortable riding a bicycle <laughs> naked.
0: Um, you know this from experience? <laughs> what is there a side of you I'm just discovering?
1: Arrive clothed and shoed. Keep your clothes with you at all times in case you need them. Sometimes bystanders can get grabby. So be aware of that. Drugs or booze may lead to an arrest. Uh, No photos in our before and after space except authorized. Assume, however, that you will be photographed on the ride. If you must take pictures during the ride, always ask if it's okay. You're responsible. Be prepared. Stay alert. Take care. This sounds like so much work. You know, the only good thing is you don't have to worry about what to wear.
0: Well, there is that. (laughs) What's the weather forecast for next weekend?
1: (laughs) They don't care. They're going to ride anyway. Uh It's just that the route may change. I I love the vagaries of, you know, it's kind of like if you know, you know, and you show up. Uh (laughs) Just be sure that you have wheels with you.
0: On that note... (laughs) Uh, before we're going, oh, we're going for our last break, and they're starting to flick the light. Oh, my light. gosh. Yeah. Yes. They're, they're flicking the lights. I and that
1: noise I heard down the hall That's with the, the
0: Zamboni. Uh,
1: getting ready to yeah. buff the floors.
0: 312-981-7200. Buff
9: the floors.
0: Is the phone number. If you would like to be our last call. Oh. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. uh up. If you want to, they're flicking the lights. The zamboni is getting ready, yep. and now you uh, you can't be our last caller if you have won anything from this radio place. For the past 60 days.
1: Right, because we have prizes that we give away if you are yep. our last caller. And if you're our last caller, don't be scared if you make it in here as the last caller. Because all we ask is that, um, you know, you just hang with us. We just kind of uh, yeah. put the, uh, the the cherry on top of our five-hour program. Mm-hmm. And we've had a busy show. And uh, we don't have any pass-fail but we, do, I'm looking for my prize list here. Okay. I think maybe it... I've ends. got it
0: over here if you don't have it. You do? It.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think I know it by heart. Anyway, we do have some cool prizes if, in fact, you are our last caller. And because we do get a bunch of calls to make it fair, what happens is Julianne takes the calls... And then he tells us how many people have called in, and this week it's my turn to pick a number. I'll pick a number, yep. and that person will, in fact, be the last caller. And I won't know who that person is until we get you on the radio.
0: So, again, the, uh, the number, 312-981-7200, and we'll find out who our last call is coming up. They're <laughs> flicking the lights, and sure. the Zamboni is getting ready. Yeah, and, and we're going to uh, go
1: home and watch a little Noir Alley.
0: And, yep. And,
1: um have a, a bite to eat a little supper since we haven't done that mm-hmm. i know it's all screwed up but that's okay that's our that's our life <laughs> we're on the flip side um so oh goodness i get to choose you get to choose the tonight. number yeah. and i am mm, i see all these lines flashing uh, Julian, I think I'm going to go with two.
9: Okay. All right, here we go. All right, uh, and uh, two is Peggy. Hi, Peggy. Hey, Peggy. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you tonight? I'm doing well. I'm so
1: glad to hear you guys. Well, thank you. You're lucky number two tonight, our last caller. caller.
0: Where are you calling from, Peggy?
1: I'm calling from Homer Glen. Know it well. Yeah. Have you been with us all night tonight, or did you have plans earlier this evening? I
9: started out uh, listening to you guys, and I fell asleep till about midnight. Me no, <laughs> too. We did too, uh-huh. yeah. And then I woke up in time for Addie. <laughs> well, then I woke up, I was like, oh, it's almost uh, 12 o'clock. I'll just stay up till 2 o'clock then. Yeah.
1: Now, are you are you kind of goofed up for the day, because then when you go back to bed, you won't be sleepy because you had a nice, good nap?
9: No, no, not really. I'll be, I'll go back to sleep until about five o'clock, and I get up and walk the dog. And
1: mm-hmm. I think so. you should have a snack before you go back to
9: bed. What do you think? No, I got some water. I'll, oh, I'll water! Come on, it's
1: Saturday <laughs> night, Sunday morning. I hear it.
9: I do have some
0: chocolate chip cake in the in the kitchen. There, oh, there you go. Now we're there talking. Now we find out. Okay. <laughs> and
1: nobody knows that you're in the kitchen. I, we have a a, a a cake plate, one of the pedestal cake plates, and it has the heaviest lid on it. There is no way you can sneak into our oh, kitchen. <laughs> you know what? Oh, you know what I'm talking about, right? And when you lift it, it just oh, yeah, yeah. It makes so much noise. I'm like looking at it, going, stop. I just want one bite, and I'm going to quietly put that lid back down, but it never works. Steve goes, are we having cake? Yeah, yeah, we're having cake. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I, I usually hear that, or sometimes about 3 o'clock in the morning, I will hear the sound of a, a patter of feet going out, and then I will hear the Uh-oh. the refrigerator door open, and then Johnny is drinking some pickle juice. yes.
1: They're my pickles. I can drink all the juice. Right, Peggy? They're my pickles. It's not like I give those to to visitors.
0: (laughs) So, Peggy, when you're not calling radio stations in the middle of the night, uh, what are you doing?
9: Actually, I'm retired. So I I have a lot of free time. You sound too young Uh, to be retired.
0: What did you do before you retired?
9: I worked for Jewel Food Store for 46 years. Oh, Oh, my gosh. Which one? I was at a few stores. Yeah, on the south side, of Chicago. Yeah. Oh, God bless you. I lived, uh, yeah, lived on the south side all my life till about three years ago. Uh huh. Where Where did you
0: live on the south side? Because I grew up at 80th and Manistee.
9: No, I was uh, you know where the amphitheater was? International amphitheater? Sure. Oh, sure. On yeah, I'm in that area. Ah, okay. Um, and then- Maryville. I and, saw
0: some great concerts at the International Amphitheater. Uh, so I don't know more Three Dog Night concerts I was, than I can count, and I saw the Rolling Stones with Stevie Wonder as their opening act at the
9: International really? Amphitheater. Mm. Yeah.
1: Were you close enough to I walk to... to
9: the circus? We, was, we used to go to the circus there. Every oh, year.
1: I, I used to go to the rodeo there.
9: Oh yeah, right. The rodeo was yeah, there. Yeah,
1: that was really cool okay. too back.
9: They had the car show there when I was. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Um, now see we're before going McCormick place, yeah, uh, yeah, before McCormick place and sure. then, oh my gosh, the sound of McCormick place is dreadful compared
0: to Johnny and I have gone to a, a couple concerts at oh, McCormick place, and... and the worst sound oh. we have heard ever, yeah, just
9: it's Was just... That the same as Gary Crown theater, yeah, and yeah okay yeah I, I went there to see a few concerts um. Four Seasons, Steve Martin. I think it was.
1: Mm-hmm. This is years ago, the seventies. Mm-hmm. And Steve Martin was in Chicago just last Saturday with mm-hmm. Martin Short at oh, the Steve Chicago Warfare Theater. Short. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, I-, I am so impressed that for forty six years you dealt with the public at the Jewel Food Stores. That oh, just
9: please. oh, I should have wrote a book.
1: I know. My goodness! And you were stuck it out until everything went computerized, so you had to make that transition too,
9: right? right? There, yeah, there was a lot of lot of, lot of changes. And I sure. worked with the public, you know, in the service area. Oh service God, desk. yeah! Mm-hmm. Oh my God, it just got worse and worse over the years. But anyway, I'm glad it's all over with.
0: <laughs> when you when you started, did Jewel have the uh, the coffee grinders at the checkout lanes?
9: At the checkout lane? No, I don't
1: think. Yeah, check-
0: well,
9: it was right around there. I thought
1: maybe it's your Jewel, at my Jewel, or maybe you're thinking about AMP. and A&P. I
9: it the, It's usually in the aisle with the coffee. Yes, and I it, think
1: is- I think you're thinking about A and P, where they had it up closer to. That sounds the right. Yeah, yeah.
9: Made, in the, well, in the of course, of the I'm going night.
0: back to yeah. the. It was a big deal when Jewel first opened on 79th Street,
1: and it was called Jewel Tea, wasn't it? Yeah, as in T E A. Yeah, Jewel Tea. Right. Yeah. And right.
0: and at that point there was what, National High Low uh Kroger and A.M.P. and An AMP, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. Well, we are going to send you some stuff for waking up tonight, Peggy, and joining us. You're going to get your very own WGN Radio Retro Logo t-shirt.
0: These are really cool, Peggy. It's
1: an official WGN Retro Logo t-shirt. And you're also going to get your very own American Weathermakers Desktop Weather Station and so cool. brought to you by american Weathermakers heating cooling and plumbing the 60 minute men visit americanweathermakers.com and we are just thrilled to be able to send you one and thank you for joining us and being our
9: last caller tonight thanks thank i just have one question sure. sure you know that weekend song that you play yeah oh, yeah when i was listening to you guys at uh, like the 11 p.m to 5 a.m shift years mm-hmm. ago mm-hmm. right um I used to always envision you guys dancing around the studio. Oh, we did. Oh, yeah. Because
1: that was always at four o'clock in the morning.
0: <laughs> and I used to drive some. I used to drive some of the engineers nuts because I would crank up the uh, speakers to the threshold of pain. I love that song.
1: In fact, Peggy, you are the third person in the past few days that have mentioned that song. Next week, because Saturday night's still the weekend, we're going to play it next week. I hope, oh, you're, good. I hope you're listening, or I maybe if you're your not off... I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that song. I yes. like, oh, such a happy song. By, <laughs> uh, uh, by Wet Willie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. All right. right. Well, have a great week, Peggy. Of course, Peggy. we could play a
0: little of it now, too.
1: Oh, we could, yeah. L- a little, little yeah. walk-in music for uh, yeah. Peggy.
0: Wet Willie just did a concert. Um, oh, this was, like, within the past week, they were doing oh they're kidding
1: the wet willie oh yeah
0: what willie huh. uh they're still a, not not all the original members right. but some of the original members and it was a concert oh bleep not uh, only did
1: the lead singer have a great voice but instrumentally they peach were tree, good city,
0: georgia where was it peach tree city georgia yes second. and who were the, they were opening for who they were opening yeah i think they were the opening act i'm pretty sure hmm
1: Well, that was a tradition for many, many years at 4.07 a.m. on Fridays. And uh, there were people who literally would... Yeah, dance around the the kitchen table mm-hmm. because they thought yeah it's a weekend it's official i've just got one more <laughs> day and then it's my weekend in our case it was our weekend in an hour the show would wrap up and
0: we wouldn't be coming but back. actually our show is wrapping up in about it 10 is. seconds all right um, next week uh, patrick Crispin, and who knows what else um, thanks for hanging out with us